At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here, joined by the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be covering the last few nights of Fantastica Mania, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe. It's time to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure you check out our friends at powerslam.tv. Use the code socialsuplex and you'll get a free month of over 4,000 hours of wrestling from independent companies across the world. And also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. Right now, we have the official Social Suplex Podcast Network shirt there. And also, fresh off the press, we have the first Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt in the Social Suplex store. So go ahead and check that out. There is a sale coming up this weekend for the Royal Rumble. You get 15% off your t-shirts. So go ahead and grab you a Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt this weekend. Use the promo code RUMBLE. Uh, you get 15% off your order. And support us, man. Support that uh, Keeping a Strong Style brand and Social Suplex. I love that, Jeremy. I love that you were so assumptive in the way that you tell people. You say, use our promo code. Buy our shirt. <laughs> support us. Like, we're not asking B. 
We're not asking. We're telling. Yes. Go out and do it. Yes. Do it right now, man. You all, our our logo is awesome. It looks great on the shirt. I I do really like our logo. Like we were actually uh, kind of discussing shirt options and what we we're gonna do with the store. And um, I'm not gonna lie, like Jeremy kind of just took the initiative and like he's like, all right, I'm doing it. Store's <laughs> up. And I was a little bit hesitant because I was like, well, what are we what are we gonna put in there? And he's like, we're gonna put our logo. And I was like. But is that really what we want to do? Because, like, I don't think about, like, our logo every day or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. But then, like, when you show me the shirt, I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I forgot that, like, Ferg has hooked us up with, like, a dope, like, show logo. Yeah, shout out to Mike Ferg, man. This guy, he's been doing all the graphics for Social Suplex. Yeah. He's been doing a phenomenal job. He just whipped out something new for us that uh, something that's going to be debuting on the network, uh, I believe, later this week. Uh, stay tuned. Oh, it's going to be this week. Yeah. Yeah. So something big is on the horizon. Something yeah. big, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Mike Ferg, man. This guy just is killing it, man. For all, you know, I don't I don't talk to Mike on, on a daily basis or anything like that, man. So. No, no, no. I don't think Mike exists. <laughs> like I think like it's some sort of like magic that you got going because uh I'll just tell Jeremy like what we want or Jeremy will like be like this is what I'm thinking of getting and then all of a sudden like he comes back and we have it and I'm like where did that come from bro and he's like Ferg bro and I'm like this man is a, a wizard he is man you know give him a follow on Twitter at Sir Mike Fergus that's F E R J U S yeah, man. Give him a follow. Tell him about the great work that he's doing out here. I, I see other people's logos and other people's, like, work on, on, like, you know, Twitter or, like, Instagram. And I just think, like, man, Mike does way better work than a lot of these guys. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, man's talented, man. But, yeah, here's the thing, guys. If you a few weeks ago we had people t- giving us ideas for shirts and ideas for designs and you know here's the thing it's the first time we've opened up the store we have a limited amount of t-shirt designs that we can start off with we got to do at least what 21 20 I think 25 24 25 okay so once we hit like 25 shirt sales which I think is going to be easy like trust me these shirts they are incredible quality. If you've ever ordered anything from Pro Wrestling Tees, they do impeccable work. Everything's made to order, custom. You know, they'll they'll they have a shirt size uh, chart there for you. And I mean, it's only for the low low price of twenty dollars right. plus. When you factor in the fifteen percent that's going to be coming off the top, I mean, this thing's a steal. I don't even know how much money we're gonna make off this. <laughs> like, we're basically getting hosed by Pro Wrestling Tees, but we're doing it at that low rate so that you guys can support us, support the freaking logo, keeping it strong style. Our logo is dope. And then guess what, guys? Once we hit the 25, then the floodgates are open. open. All your great design ideas will be whipped up. We'll put it up there. The young boy kimono will be on the horizon. (laughs) Oh, man. Young boy uh, takes Tampa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, man. So, check that out, guys. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. But let's uh, jump into this fantastic mania. Yeah, dude. I don't think that music slaps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's like it's the one opening that every like most shows like once I see the the opening for like you know Power Struggle or like you know re, like New Beginning, you see it one time you're like oh man they do such good work, but then I always skip through it. Right, like after like the fifth night of Road to New Beginning, you're like okay I know what views are setting up. It's the same music. It's the same video. I'm gonna fast forward ahead and get to the matches. Bro, forget that. I do it after the second night. I see it the first time and I'm like okay that was great. But not with Fantastica Mania. Dude, Fantastica Mania. I watch it every time. And then, Christico! <laughs> Mystico! Atlantis Jr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Ultimo Guerrero! <laughs> Samsung! Udas! Yes, I yeah, love it, dude. dude. Yeah, I get so hyped for the Fantastica Mania I intro. love it, bro. I love it so much. Yeah, it's like, it's one of my favorite parts of, like, I know, like, Rich loves the, like, the, like, Fantastic Mania music. He's like, yeah. yo, I slap so hard. Yeah, yeah. We should get. <laughs> Rich needs to make like a sample beat somehow out of the Fantastic Mania. Speaking of like slapping music, like how about the other week when we closed, or was that last week? We closed with Ghetto uh, Strong Style. Well, uh, MVP's New Japan theme song, <laughs> Ghetto Strong Style. Ghetto Strong Style. Yo, he needs to do something with that song because that thing is freaking hard. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I can't believe a song called Ghetto Strong Style actually exists. Hilarious. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, my uh, God. But, yeah, so it's Fantastic Mania. We had uh, four nights that have aired since the last time we recorded. Uh, we're not going to, you know, go match by match and, you know, give our in-depth Mike Tanay, um, you know, analysis on all these things. Bump that. Forget Mike Tanay. It's all about Chris Charlton now, baby. <laughs> Uh, we're going to cover some of the themes throughout the night, some of the highlights, um, some of the things that you guys uh, should watch, some stories. Because, you know, a lot of people, they, they kind of brush um, Fantastic Mania off and saying it's not canon. Well, there were some canon things that happened throughout this tour to help kind of set up the uh, new beginning matches. So we'll um, cover that. Uh, I, I would put it like this. Um it's very similar to New Beginning, or I'm sorry, not New Beginning, to Road 2 shows. Um, if you don't watch the Road 2 shows and you just watch the big events, you know, like let's say just the three New, Be- New Beginning shows and you don't watch the, the Road 2 shows, you're probably fine. You're probably fine. You're probably going to be able to get the gist of most of the storylines. Um, kind of like how I don't watch WWE at all during the week, but then like I can just watch the video packages and then pretty much that's all you need for the pay-per-views, literally you're caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, similar idea. So like, and that was kind of a dig at WWE if you if you didn't catch it. <laughs> but um, no, but seriously, if you're watching the big shows, you're fine. But with that being said, when you are truly a New Japan fan and you're truly a fan of the product, when you watch those Road 2 shows or you watch Fantastic Mania, you kind of get rewarded for it. There are little, like, nuggets and little, little threads. Yeah, little breadcrumbs. Little breadcrumb, breadcrumbs. There's little... They give us a little a little taste. A little taste. A little taste. You know what I'm saying? So that's always something that's kind of cool. And like you said, like, um, you know, we're going to talk about some of the stuff. Obviously, we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, Ishimori and Taguchi, and that's a, a feud that we're leading into. Here's my one thing. Um, we have a, there's so many people out there who don't follow New Japan who are always telling me they don't have stories. They don't have storylines. I like my wrestling to have storylines. And it's like we probably have a lot of listeners who are new to the product from watching uh, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, speak, yeah, Wrestle King our Wrestle Kingdom episode 
the biggest, uh, the most downloaded episode of Keeping It Strong yeah, thank Style. thank you guys. Thank Dude, you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I know we have a lot of new listeners coming in from that. Yeah, so there's there's people who, you know, criticize New Japan. They're like, oh, there's no stories. But I'm like, uh, there actually clearly is. It's just put in a format that many Western and foreign viewers are not used to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, how could there not be stories when I'm getting this back behind the scenes and in-ring story between Taguchi and Ishimori or, you know, Rapongi 3K and LIJ? It's, it's, it's right there in front of you. You just got to put in the time and effort to actually watch, watch the, the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Oh, they don't tell stories when you're not watching everything. Yeah, they act like uh, what? They act like this is like St. Louis, you know, back in the day. <laughs> uh, who's the guy that just passed away from from St. Louis? Uh, Medzik. Oh yeah, uh, the Larry Larry Medzik. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that was like a true like sports oriented like product or like '90s All Japan. You know what I mean? Like really no stories but when people are like New Japan doesn't have stories I'm like no, they don't have talking segments you know what I mean right. they don't have backstage promos which they, they do have the, the, the backstage promos I know you've been doing a better job than I have of well, watching I've watched all of them this watching year. all of them you watch those backstage promos those, those, those are your promos they they cut promos that um, lead into the stories and develop on for the tour right yep. um, and you also get like in ring promos and every now and again you'll get you know, uh, like a run-in or something of that nature, or, you know, what what am I thinking of? What's that called? Like, someone gets jumped. In. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that stuff happens, but people act like, they're like, oh, no, it's all, it's just all sports-centric. It's like, no, it's, it's sports-based, but it's there for you. And so, yeah, I think that these tours, um, even though they're not canon, there was a lot of really good stories on the actual tour themselves that are self-contained that might only affect, say, CMLL. Mm-hmm. But then there was also crossover into the New Japan stories, and then the action was just really fantastic. I mean, Fantasticamania. I mean, yeah. It, I, I will say, man, you know, we were a little bit down on the first night. Well, because it sucked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but these last uh, four nights, man, I thought they were really good. There was a lot of gems on here, a lot of great. If you're a fan of high fly and action and I know a lot of you guys are, you know, uh, have been losing your minds over uh, Rey Mysterio <laughs> and Andrade. And I know I've, I've been hearing they had an awesome two out of three falls tonight. Um, but if you love that, that you think that's great? Did Andrade sweep him? Uh, no, I believe, I think Samoa Joe caught the DQ for the last fall, something like that. Oh. Uh, but um, if you're a fan of, like, Lucha, like what Mysterio and Andrade did, like, a lot of the matches on this tour equal that. Or better, in my opinion. As far as like pure lucha libre style, and just yeah. the, the dives and the high flying that they're doing in there. Um, but yeah, so let's start coming some of these um, the stories and some of the the kind of things that kind of the highlights that happened throughout the tour. Um, so we talk about you know the new beginning. Um, Taiji Ishimori is going to be defending that IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against Risuke Taguchi. Um, these two guys were in a lot of multi-man matches throughout this tour to help yep. set up that feud. Um, and you know, um, I think for the majority of it, you had um, kind of Taguchi kind of being the goofy, you know, during Fantastic Mania, he comes out with like the the uh, King Tut. Um, kind of gear and mask, um, and he's kind of being goofy. There were some instances in some of the later matches where we kind of got big match to Gucci, and he's busting out the planchas, he's busting out the ankle lock, um, he's he's looking like a serious uh, title contender. But ultimately, I felt like um, 
Taiji Ishimori was the one that was looking strong throughout all, all of this. Yeah, so I mean, on the 16th, the 18th, and the 20th, the opening match, they all revolved around the feud between Taguchi and Taiji Ishimori. So I mean, that that, that pretty much was the opening match throughout the tour. Uh, several fun um, tag matches. Nothing that would blow you away. I wouldn't give a recommend to any of the matches, but as far as like the ongoing story, it was kind of interesting just like Taguchi sort of still kind of trying to attack the ankle of uh, Taiji Ishimori, so that's like an ongoing thing, but uh, it was funny to kind of see Gato and Ishimori just like breaking out all of their healdom. Uh, they kept stealing the mask off of Taguchi. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny, you know, they're trying to play it off as a big deal. Obviously, you know, for Luchadors, it's a big deal if you haven't officially lost your mask to be unmasked in the middle of the match. But uh, yeah, pulling off the mask and like Taguchi selling it like it was a big deal. Taguchi had teamed... Um, um, on one of the earlier nights, the first night of the tour that we covered the other week, he had teamed with Tiger Mask. I believe that was on the 11th. Mm-hmm. And during the backstage comments, um, <laughs> Tiger Mask was like, I don't know who this man is that I was teaming with. He was like, I know that he got his mask stolen, and that is a shame, and it's a dishonor. But he, luckily, he was still able to conceal his identity. So I, I didn't get a good look. I'm not sure who he is, but you might want to talk to him. And, it, like, if you guys don't don't understand, like, Taguchi's mask literally only covers his eyes, and it's made out of, like, cardboard. Right. It's, so like, like, super cheap and flimsy. So it's, like, such a, like... And, yeah, it was really funny just every time he, he lost his mask seeing like the young boys like jump on him and try to cover him and him like do the freak out like he's a a real luchador it's just really comical stuff but um you know it kind of just ended up being almost every night to to gucci um getting jumped or getting beat beat down by uh ishimori i think where a lot of the um <laughs> I think where a lot of the comedy came in was more like the backstage promos. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, um, Taguchi, to kind of further their feud, he had mentioned that Ishimori used to be part of like the Sailor Boys or whatever. Yeah, like a J-pop, like boys idol sort of like uh, singing group that was also like his where he broke into wrestling. I, I, I'm guessing it's sort of like the three count gimmick, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they were called the Sailor Boys and he was like, many fans don't remember this. He was like, but you're always saying it's reborn. He's like, what needs to be reborn is the Sailor Boys. <laughs> <laughs> he's oh, like, man. that's what needs to be reborn. He's like, he's like, any of you younger fans who don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Gucci is hilarious. And then also I saw the backstage comments from uh, Ishimori where yeah. he's like, I, I thought he was just an ass, like an ass wrestler, but he's actually like has some skill. Yeah, he's like, he's quite skilled. He's a, he's a scary guy, but he's like, because you don't expect for him to actually have talent behind the gimmicks. But um, so, I mean, that was kind of an ongoing thing. Nothing great there. They, they did a good job making uh, Ishimori look strong pretty much through most of that. Yeah, uh, Taiji's team pretty much won majority of those. There was one night where Taguchi's team won, but Taguchi didn't get the pinfall. Um, it was, um, I think, Aouda's on his team. So then, um, aside from that, I guess the next feud we probably should talk about, because this kind of was usually, like, around the second or third match of the night, we had um, some sort of combination of LIJ, Bushi, and Shingo, either in straight-up tag matches or either, like, six-man or eight-man. Sometimes they'd be teaming with, you know, Naito and... Um, Terrible. And Terrible, or, or some combination of them. But um, a lot of their efforts were focused on these very mysterious uh, luchadors, Fujin and Raijin. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know where these guys have come from. Yeah, they're mysterious. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah. Fujin and Raijin are essentially the characters or the gimmicks that um, Rapunga 3K had when they were in Mexico. The only thing that's strange about it is they never had masks when they were in CMLL. Mm. So it's kind of like a retroactive, like, they're like... They were like, we wanted masks, but yeah. they said no. <laughs> but now we're, we're having a mask. <laughs> but it, it was funny because, like, Bushi and Shingo, like, every night were, like, literally on the mic being like, we know it's show, show and yo. Like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Right. And, like, Shingo was not with the smoke at all. Like, he was getting pissed about it backstage, <laughs> and he was talking about how, like, they're treating Fantastic Mania like it's a game, and he's like, I'm not here to play a game. Like, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, I mean, what do you think of Fujin and Raijin? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were good. Obviously, uh, so Ryzen was the orange mask that was show. Uh, Fujin was the green mask that was yo. Uh, you know, yes, Fujin is the god of wind. Ryzen is the god of thunder, thunder yeah. or lightning. Lightning. One, one of the, one of those. One of those. Gimmicks. I was. I, I can always remember because Ryzen rhymes with Raiden. Mm, from Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Yeah, that's how I remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a punky through gay. These guys are great. I mean, them and uh, against Lij is a good thing. Um, I was surprised here on the sixteenth uh, the that they beat uh, Shingo and Bushi. Uh, so you gotta think that a future tag title shot is coming down the line for Punky 3K. Yeah, it was interesting because it was a straight up tag match, just two on two. So it mm-hmm. wasn't even a multi man, and they they got a pinfall over Bushi. Um, but you gotta wonder: is this some sort of is it considered canon or is it not canon? Because they're technically not show and yo. They're right. technically Fujin and Raijin. Right. It's kind of one of those deals like when like Edge and Christian were the conquistadors <laughs> and like won the belts and stuff like and then the Hardys were the conquistadors. But uh but they continued rivaling so we had um they did end up getting unmasked yeah, on the last night. Yeah, like L I J like had like jumped them after the match. On the twentieth. Yeah, and like pulled their mask off. But then on the 21st, they came back as just show and yo. Yeah. Which, remember last year they had um, the Lucha Libre outfits that had, like, the tassels and stuff? Mm-hmm. They didn't do that this time, which yeah. I thought was kind of... They kind of went back to their traditional outfits uh, on the 21st. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they had a six-man tag on the 20th. Um, they teamed with Toa Hanare to take on Naito, Shingo, and Bushi. And they lost that match. And that, after they lost that match... Um, Shingo and Bushi jumped them, stole their masks, and it was the big reveal that it was. I know, it like, was really showing. The young boys were like running in, like covering their faces and stuff. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> so yeah, so that that was pretty interesting. But um, um, and then on the the last night, the twenty first, they had an eight man tag with Naito, Terrible, Bushi, and Shingo against Shoyo, Kojima, and Tohanare. Well, b- well. Before we talk about what happened with that match, I think that we should just briefly discuss all the guys that were in this this match together. So, um, there's two other storylines that were kind of in play here. So, Toa Hanare, um, all throughout the tour, was usually on the opposite side of uh, Naija. Yeah, it looks like kind of like you know um, he wanted to smoke with like Ishii during certain tours. Well, it looks like this tour he wanted to smoke with Naito, and majority of the time it would be him and Naito paired off. Yeah, I mean, so at, you know he's the one one guy who's you know a heavyweight singles who was on the tour and the whole tour he was talking about how he's just dreaming of winning that IC title uh, unfortunately for Toa Hanari he's literally like just a ring like literally just a notch above a young boy the young lion yeah um, and Naito actually brought that up a lot during the backstage comments and he was like you know you've been he's like when you're a young lion and you try really hard you can get over but when you have been here a year and you got a gimmick 
and and you're graduated, it's not enough, man. Like you gotta <laughs> you gotta win. And he's like, and probably beating me in a multi man is like your best bet at like making a name for yourself. He's like, so if you want to make your name, try. He's like, but you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, he pretty much just like schooled Tohanar the entire tour, um, and then you had the kind of feud of Kojima and El Terrible, which El Terrible is a member of Los Ingrenables in Mexico, teaming with uh, Rush. And so he kind of came on the tour here, and uh, Satoshi Kojima suffered that uh, terrible injury last year. Yeah, torn ACL in that match with Rush, and um, kind of like uh, that last last year's tour, Kojima was kind of once again like feuding with Lij, leading to the big match with Rush. So they kind of picked up from that this year, and he was feuding with Lij again and building up to the big uh, one-on-one match with uh, Terrible. Yeah, so on the 20th, after several nights of feuding in multi-man matches where I think both guys ended up picking up uh, victories over each other, they ended up in a singles match, which kind of mirrors what had happened the year before with Roosh and Kojima. Um, and Kojima was looking for a measure of revenge, uh, and Terrible ended up defeating him on that night. I didn't think much of that match. I mean, what did you think? I mean, I thought it was a good match. Obviously, it wasn't blow away. Um, you know, I am a Kojima mark, and I, I mean, I thought he looked good. Like, Kojima didn't perform to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, get get this man out the ring. Um, I, I thought he looked good, um, but obviously, it wasn't like any it wasn't like four stars or anything or anything you know to write home about i think that this was the like slowest i've seen kojima looking since his return from injury personally on this particular tour uh, again like you said i wouldn't say like get him off my screen or anything but i'm i am used to kojima wrestling at a certain level and like when he was in the tag league he seemed to be wrestling with like a lot of vigor and like mm-hmm. a lot of fire, and on this tour, for whatever reason, it was like he was he was like half step slower than normally. Did you pick up on that? That's uh, what I felt like. In, in the multi man matches, I thought he he seemed fine. Um, with the match with Terrible, also I think part of it might have to do with just Terrible's style. Like Terrible's, he's a Rudo. Well, he slows things down. A lot. Right, he's not your typical high pace, high flying kind of guy, and uh, Terrible kind of slows things down. So that probably didn't help Kojima at all, as far as like what you thought about his performance. Um, but overall, I didn't think like he was slower than usual. Hmm. Uh, well, he did end up uh, tasting defeat against Terrible, which meant he was unable to uh, gain a measure of revenge against Lij for, uh, you know, the sins of the past. However, he was able to come through Fantastic uh, Mania without any major injuries. Yeah. So that's kind of like a consolation victory. And so on the final night, they kind of built to this big eight-man tag with Rapongi 3K, Satoshi Kojima, Tohanare, which again kind of mixed the Seki Goon and Chaos guys together uh, to take on Lij, and um, this match was okay, and it was starting to like really heat up, and it wound up with Toa Hanare and Naito um, kind of doing the finishing sequence that they'd done many nights on this tour. When suddenly, from out of nowhere, Tai Chi, Hoodie Tai Chi, comes in. He clocks Naito with the IC belt, and you have Kanamaru and Desperado coming in to beat up Bushi and Shingo and then it was just like a flashback of New Year's Dash 2017 yep. when Suzuki Goon came or that was 2019 we're in 2019 yeah this a flashback of what just happened a few, like the, earlier in the month or are you talking about when 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 they came back from um 
from Noah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, when they came back in from Noah, Suzuki Gun just raiding the ring. Uh, I don't know where was expecting them there because obviously Desperado was the only one on this tour as Namagage, but. None of those guys were really there, and so out of nowhere, all these Suzuki Goon guys came out. They bum rushed the ring, clear these guys out, and obviously they're building towards New Beginning, where Tai Chi is challenging Naito, um, and then um, Kanemaru and uh, Desperado are challenging Shingo and Bushi. Uh, I did think it was funny on the 11th when they had the first night of shows. <laughs> uh, Forestero of uh, the Dinamitas, he had teamed with Taichi and Kanemaru, and they defeated Flyer, Jushin Liger, and Teton. And so they're in the back, and um, literally Kanemaru and like Taichi are talking to themselves, and they're like, we don't know who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> like we, li- they're like, they're like, we picked up the victory, he got the win. They're like, we make anybody that teams with us look so much better than they <laughs> actually are. <laughs> and then they like pass it off to Forestero, and they're like, go ahead, and he's like, hello, New Japan. He's like. I had a great time. I picked up the victory, and they're like, "No, talk more, man." Like, <laughs> but um, they they ended up um, you know, basically here on the 21st, standing tall over you know Rapongi 3K, Kojima, Hanare, and all of Lij. They beat up all these guys, yeah. and then um, Tai Chi was uh, he cut a promo. Yeah, and apparently, I mean, the crowd. They were cheering for Tai Chi. They were not. They were not cheering for Tai Chi. What was happening? It, I thought they were too until I listened to it with the um, the actual like subtitles. Mm-hmm. And he was telling. He was like, "Quiet down, bastards!" And they were freaking out because he was telling oh, them to gotcha. be quiet. I missed that. Okay. And every time that they would get louder. He would be like, bastard, shut up. And they would get louder. <laughs> gotcha. so it was an antagonistic thing. Gotcha. My, I misread that. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, I saw other people online that were uh, supposing that like he was getting a monster pop. And I was like, no, it was heat. Yeah. He was getting heat because that's why they're doing all the sirens and everything. Gotcha. And he was um, he was uh, disrespecting the belt. He was throwing it yep. around like how Naito used to throw it around. Yep. Um, but he, um, yeah, he did cut a promo and basically... Uh, in the back, he talked about how, you know, he's not the same guy he was a year ago, basically. And he was like saying, actually, it was hilarious because he was like, he was like, we didn't come here to jump Lij. He's like, we actually showed up because uh, we made a mistake. We thought that this was the first night of the new beginning tour. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it was such a mistake that I made. And then um, Desperado was like, yes, I was so surprised to get the the phone call to show up here because. I've just been at home for the last five days doing nothing. <laughs> when uh, obviously uh, Desperado is also wrestling on the tour as Namahage, so that's they're they're treating it that they're actually treating that with way more um, canon, like that they're two separate people. Yeah, which is kind of hilarious. But um, you know they all cut promos on Rapongi 3K. Um, they basically. Um, Suzuki Goon, they stole the title belts and they went in the back and they were basically saying like, you know, Rapongi 3K thinks that they should get a shot at the belts because they they picked up a pinfall on this tour, but they were like, but they're the ones who lost our titles for us in the first place when they were just challengers and they're like, dude, no one ever beat us for these belts. They're like, we were champions for this many days, we had this many title defenses, we brought prestige to this thing and what did Rapongi 3K ever do for these titles? What has LIJ ever done for these titles? They're like, literally we're going to kill all of them. So this was kind of their way to get their heat back on them going into New Beginning and then um, 
Taichi was basically just saying how, you know, Naito considers him to be beneath him and he's belittling him and talking down to him. And he's like, you shouldn't be talking down to me. He's like, you sparked something in me a year ago. And he's like, and I might have been a different person. He's like, but he's like, you haven't faced like me today. basically. Yeah. He's like, I'm a totally different guy. And there might be some truth to that. Dude, uh, honestly, you know, a lot of people are, are hand-waving the idea of Tai Chi being Naito. But I, I think it's a high, very high possibility. Not giving my official prediction yet. But it's a very high possibility that Tai Chi can leave the New Beginning Tour with that white strap. Well, we were on... Um we were on the Outsider's Edge a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week or the week before. I think it's like two weeks now. We had a, a spirited discussion with uh, our fellow colleague, uh, Rance Morris. Uh, what up, Rance? A.K.A. Ray Cash. A.K.A. Ray Cash. <laughs> and he is, if nothing else, a bona fide uh, Naito mark. And I mean, like, he was just so... We were discussing this, and like he was like, the idea that Taichi could ever... No, man. He's like, no, man. He, he, like, he was literally like, how can they go from him wrestling Chris Jericho in the Dome to wrestling Taichi? <laughs> right. And he's, and, like, and he's like, literally, they're like, literally, they're burying this man almost. Like, like it's such a step down from to even be in the same ring as him. And I was, we were, we were basically discussing it. And I was explaining to him. And if you're a longtime listener or if you are a longtime fan of New Japan, you guys kind of do understand that. Like, while Taichi's not everybody's cup of tea. He's not the most wildly popular guy. He does have his supporters. And he has grown on me as a viewer of the product, and I recognize that he is over um, locally in the Japanese market. Like, people like him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's a place for him in the company. And this is, in my opinion, good storytelling because it's circular storytelling. We're one, we've come full circle to the feud that started one year ago when we when we went on this whole year-long odyssey between Suzuki Goon and LIJ. It all started with Taichi and Naito. Right. Yeah. And so now we're 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 back full circle. And here's my the one thing I will say. I don't know if Naito's going to drop the belt to Taichi, but if I was booking and I wanted to get Naito ready for the main event. I might have him lose a screw job finish to a guy like Taichi. Yeah. Especially if hypothetically, just throwing it out there, if I wanted to elevate Taichi, but also elevate Naito, what I do is I get the belt off him real quick to a guy that cheats to beat him. He doesn't lose credibility, but then guess what? He doesn't have time to go worrying about uh, a rematch because the, what's the next tour? After uh, New Beginning? Yep. As a New Japan Cup? If hypothetically, let's say Naito were to drop the belt, but then the next tour, he's freed up to actually be in the New Japan Cup? Because you've got to remember, he's not going to be in the New Japan Cup if he's the IC champion. Right. Champions are out. Because if you're new to the... I actually, there was a question um, that we got. Um, somebody asking, you know, how the New Japan Cup works. And so, um, so if you're new to New Japan, not sure how New Japan Cup works, it's a single elimination tournament. All the champions are out of the tournament, and the winner can choose any of the champions to challenge if he wins. Obviously, most times they ch they challenge the IWGP champion because why wouldn't you challenge the world champion if you have the choice to? 
Um, so yeah, if Naito is the IC champion, he can't be in the New Japan Cup, and he can't get an IC uh, IWGP Heavyweight Title match. Yeah, that question came from Brian Alemany. Thank you, Brian. Great question. So yeah, so I mean that's exactly exactly what Jeremy said. So if you are a current reigning champion, you don't have the luxury to be involved in the tournament at all. So for everyone who wants Naito to be to have a shot at the you know here's the deal. If Naito is still the IC champion come April, he's not headlining MSG. Like some some diehard Naito fans, they want to see him challenge for the title. He's not going to if he's the IC champion. But if he loses the belt in short order and then turns around, and I'm not saying he's going to win the New Japan Cup, but let's say he does win the New Japan Mm -hmm. Cup, is that a burial or 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 an elevation? Uh, It will be an elevation if he wins the New Japan Cup. And that's what I keep trying to explain to people. <laughs> I mean, you, you saw what they did with the New Japan Cup last year with the elevation of Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. So the New Japan Cup is a tool they use to elevate guys. And the only way that Naito will be involved with that entire thing is if he drops this belt ahead of time. So that might influence some of your opinions on what's right. going to happen in the new beginning. Honestly, the, the longer that Naito holds on to the IC title, is his chances of getting an IWGP title picture go down. Yeah, the more sidelined he is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, everyone who people who want him to have like say a 6-month reign with it, do you think he's going to go into you know, let's say he holds it all the way to Dominion, you think he's going to win the IWGP Championship while being the IC champion? Like no. You think he's going to uh win the um G1 as the IWGP IC champion like no he's got to drop that belt and it's like you want to see him lose at MSG like you know some of these patterns in New Japan are somewhat predictable right and there are people who are literally who like Naito fanboys who love LIJ who are like hell no Taichi cannot beat (laughs) this man they think it's like literally an affront and I'm like yeah but for people that follow the product even if you don't like Tai Chi, you can see how, from a business perspective, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm not saying they should do it. They might not do it. They might keep the icy title on him for a while. We have no idea. But I think for people who are long-term wanting to see him be in the heavyweight title picture, then you should be actively rooting for him to drop the belt. And my only big argument is, like, what is more damaging Losing in a screwjob manner to somebody who everyone knows is not in his league but wins by nefarious means, or he gets like literally choked out by Zack Saber. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a lot worse. You know, getting uh, submitted by Saber or getting beaten by somebody else. Um, you know, if you do that that kind of cheap fluke flash finish, it's like we know Taichi's not on his level. He cheated. He took advantage of the rules of the referee and and stole the belt. And guess what you can do after that? Naito moves on. He goes into the uh, New Japan Cup. And then you've got two willing and able challengers waiting on the um, sidelines here in LIJ. You've got Sonata and Evil. Those are two guys that everyone's like, elevate them, elevate them, elevate them. And it's like, well... How how can they get elevated to that IC level if Naito's there? Right. You got to get Naito out of the way. I mean, it's just booking 101. It makes sense. So it's like, that's what I would do. I would hypothetically have Taichu win by nefarious means, and then maybe he jumps Naito after the bell, and then he, someone comes to his rescue, sort of like what they did with Jericho. Yeah, have Evil or Sonata come out. I would do Sonata. Yeah. Let's push Sonata. 
dude, I'm about it. I think that I think it makes a lot of sense to use Tai Chi as this perennial. Um, <laughs> what, uh, uh, what what's it called when the champion transitional champion? Yeah, he's the perennial paper champion. He's the transitional <laughs> champion for everybody. He helped get uh, Osprey over. He, he'll he'll be the guy that just wins a title for a month every single time. Just to help get get somebody over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Um, that's what happened there. So that was kind of that's most of the stuff that kind of uh, ties into the um, into the uh, more canon uh, aspects of New Japan. Um, there was there was some other stuff that was going on as well. Obviously, we talked about Terrible. Him and um, Naito tag teamed a bit, and he teamed you know most nights with Lij. What do you think of Terrible and his like presence with Lij? You know, he was all right. He honestly didn't blow me away. Like we mentioned earlier, his style was a little bit slower. He's no Roosh. Yeah, he's no Roosh. Um, you know, he's, he's no La Sombra. No La Sombra. No uh, La Mascara. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he looks cool. He was cool. I mean, he's he's a fine little wrestler, I'm sure. If I watch more CMLL, I'll probably be more impressed. But here on this tour, he was just fine. Didn't hate him. Didn't love him. How about the fact that he is a former uh, Bullet Club Latino America founder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little known fact. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. He might be like, is he the only guy that's ever been part of the Bullet Club and Los Ingranables? I I would think so. Man, he holds that same <laughs> position. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, Terrible was on the tour. Um, there was some other, um, you know. So throughout the tour, uh, at, we saw the debut of Atlantis Jr. Right. And um, Atlantis Jr. We've actually seen him wrestle before. We saw him la- wrestle in last year's tour. I believe his his name was a uh, Tiborone or something like that. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, so this was him debuting, debuting under a new gimmick. Um, he's at the son of Atlantis, um, so he debuted on this tour with the Atlantis Junior gimmick. I knew that he had wrestled prior to this under a different gimmick, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that he that we'd seen him in um, on Fantastic Mania tour. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was on the tour last year. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he debuted the um, Atlantis Junior um, gimmick here. Uh, and that, obviously that's something they're planning on uh, getting over. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was very uh, interesting to see him and Atlantis. Uh, they teamed together most nights. Um, they were in the family tag team tournament on the um, 16th, uh, dropping a victory to Quattro and Sanson. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, Atlantis Junior. Um, you know, every single night, like I said, he was teaming with Atlantis. Uh, the, the on the 18th, um, they dropped a victory to Grand Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero, and then on the 20th, um, they teamed together with Jushin Thunder Liger, and they took on um, Forestero and Sanson and Okamura, who I guess through most of the nights, Okamura and Atlantis Jr. had had run-ins. Right, that's they've been kind of building the story for the big singles match on the last night. And Atlantis Jr. was the designated pin eater um, in every single match leading up to the final night. But um, on this show on the 20th, uh, the Dinamitas and Okamura they attacked 
uh, Juice and Thunder Liger. They attacked uh, both Atlantises, and then they ended up stealing Atlantis and Atlantis Jr.'s mask. Yeah, took both the masks off. Um, Which, as we discussed last week, the Atlantis mask is the most revered mask in all of Mexico. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of a big deal. And um, they cut a very spirited promo in the back about how they were going to, you know, avenge them. Yeah. So, at this sort of set up a um, six-man uh, tag team title match on the final night uh, where Atlantis teamed up with um, uh, Angel de Oro and Teton to take on the reigning Mexican national trios champions uh, Nueva Generacion uh, Dinamitas that's the team of Cuatro Forestero and Senson who are guys we've seen um, Quattro and Sanson they were in the Brothers Tag Team Tournament last year mm-hmm. and then their cousin Forestero this is his first uh, time on the tour and all these guys you know looked really great together and then um, that angle also helped to set up the, sing- the um, only singles match of the tour for Atlantis Jr. as he took on Okamura um, and I thought that they did a good job setting up both of these these matches yeah, it did. You know, for the Atlantis Jr. Um, kind of thing, I was kind of confused at first. You know, in the opening video, they keep mentioning Atlantis Jr. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to push this guy. He's going to be winning all his matches. They're going to be highlighting him. But like you mentioned, he ended up being the fall guy in the majority of his matches. Um, but it did kind of help him going to that to that last match because he was the underdog going against Okamura. Okamura is a more uh, seasoned guy, um, more a veteran, um, kind of crafty guy. And so you're thinking, oh, he's probably going to end up losing again to Okamura. Um, but, you know, they had a good little match. He kicked out of Okamura's uh, finish, which is like a, a neckbreaker kind of thing, and was able to uh, beat Okamura. Yeah, that was a big win for him. I think from what from all reports, this is sort of a, a push because um, he is already, with just this um, making his debut in Japan and then being the son of Atlantis, having that gimmick, he'll probably be slated as like a mid-card guy right out the gate as yeah. opposed to being like a... Um, you know, like a like a preliminary opener guy. He's going, he's about on the same levels where Okamura is already with CMLL. Right. And so him picking up a victory over him on this tour is a, kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, what were your um, impressions with him as a performer from what you saw? I mean, I thought he was uh, pretty good. Um, you know, in this in these matches, he's been using um, Atlantis's kind of move set. He's been doing the tilt to world backbreakers, yeah. the the tope suicidas. The um, the diving crossbar from the top, the Tejeras. So, I I don't think he has like the greatest physique in the world or anything, but mm. I think that he's a very skilled guy. Um, yeah. I think it helps that in a lot of the matches, like the six mans and stuff, they had him with uh, either larger guys or guys that were a little bit older and slower. So, uh, in comparison to say like his father or some of the other performers, he looked a lot crisper. And yeah, so, even if he's not like world class yet, it just made him look. Yeah, like I definitely the star think the he has potential to kind of be a, a big star in the future. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we kind of um, ragged on Atlantis <laughs> <laughs> last week, yeah. But I think he, he really put in dude, a lot of effort on yeah, the tour. Dude, he, he put in a lot more effort wor- than the last few years. Dude, he worked really hard in these tours, and like we mentioned... I he, think it's because his son was... Yeah, his son was... With him. Yeah. And even in the, the trio's title match where yeah. he, he wasn't with his son, he still worked really hard. I mean, the crossbodies were still kind of slow. Oh, but, they're still... In a way, they're like... They're like the Terry Funk Moonsault 
version of like uh like a cross body off the top rope. Like, yeah. It's like the old man flop. Like it's yeah. so bad. It's so bad. It's kind of awesome. Yeah, man. but hey, he's still doing it. He's still trying hard, and he's he's still going, man. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I mean, um. Now that we're we're talking about the six man, so Quatero, Forestero, and Sanson, those these guys were all over the um, you know, all over the the. Technicals. You know, well, I was going to say they were all over the um, the tour, basically, in different roles. Um, they made it uh, to the finals of the family tag team tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be Quattro and Sanson who did that. And then, um, you know, on this final night, they defended their six-man tag team uh, Mexican National Trios Championships, where if you're not familiar, um, in CMLL, they have many many different types of titles they've got their world titles and then they've got their nwa historic world championships and then they the national then they have the mexican national trios title or you know mexican national titles and the mexican national titles are actually not governed necessarily by cmll but they're governed by the uh, boxing and wrestling commission in mexico and so they're actually free to be they're not generally anymore but they're free to be defended across different promotions and they're not tied to any one promotion they have been bought and used in all sorts of different companies uwa triple a you know um iwrg all these different companies and they are some of the most revered and um it is rare to actually see them defended outside of mexico and um this team uh, Nueva Generation Dinamitas, they've been holding the Mexican National Trios champions for like a few years now. Yeah. And that's pretty common in Mexico because the titles are very secondary uh, as opposed to like what's really prized is like masks and hair. Right, the, the bet matches. Yep. Uh, titles, guys sometimes will hold on to a title for years and defend it a handful of times <laughs> um, just because they're, they're, uh, there's so many of them. They're essentially props. There's very few times where you see uh, a team that has titles and they defend them regularly. Right. And when they do, but when they do, it adds prestige to that belt. Right. It's a big deal. Yep. And so they've actually had quite a few defenses, and this was a um, pretty cool to see them defending the belt against uh, Angel de Oro, Atlantis, and Teton. Um, Teton, if you're you know familiar with him from his work in Ring of Honor or his work in New Japan, he's he's a pretty uh, recognizable face. And then Angel de Oro, um, was he still under the mask last year? I think he was. I think he lost the mask after that tour. He lost it to Quatrero mm. in, in a bet match. I can't remember if that happened before the tour or after, but um, he's a guy that was really impressive. Dude, I was tour. very impressed with Angel de Oro. You know, honestly, I don't, I don't really remember much of what he did last year, but this I year, I do because he had that awesome title match. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, it was a it was, it was a, a singles match with Quattrero. Okay, yeah. Or maybe it was Sanson. It was one or the other. Got you. But yeah, I mean, I had to think about that. But like this tour, like I was really impressed with Angel de Oro. This match and there was a couple other uh, six man matches that he was in. He was just all over the place, yeah. doing some great um, dives and flips, and very correct, uh, charismatic um, without the mask. I think he works, you know, still works very well. Good looking guy. Yeah, yeah. They kept pointing that out. All the, yeah, girl, all yeah. the girls were wooing. Uh, he needs to hit up our good friend Juice Robinson <laughs> and uh, hit up the town, the late night cardio. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, this match was pretty decent, uh, but. Uh, the Dinamitas ended up picking up the the win, defending their titles here. Um, Teton 
What did you think of Teton? Because I felt very mixed on Teton on this tour. Yeah, I feel like there were some nights where like he was on and like was just, like the, yeah. nor- the normal Teton that we remember, and then other nights he was just kind of there. Yep. One thing that I did notice when he's cutting promos in the back, like a lot of the luchadors, because it's Mexico and they're they were like cutting the promos like they were just doing interviews, like in real life, and they would just be like. Like, whether they were a Technico or a Rudo, they'd just be like, hello, thank you for, you know, thank you for having us. We love Japan, blah, blah, blah. But, like, uh, Sant- or um, Teton was one of the few guys who was, like, in character. But, like, he was cutting promos like he was a heel, but... <laughs> <laughs> but he's a baby. But he's, but he's saying babyface stuff, and he's like, "We're gonna get you, guy!" Like, <laughs> just like freaking out. Like, no other bro, no other Technico on the entire tour was freak. He freaks out in every promo. Like, he has no like levels. He's just like, uh, like he's like the um, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> no, you know he kind of reminds me of. He's like a Mexican like uh, Technico version of like Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Just like saying, uh, just saying stuff. Yeah, bro. and uh, for those who don't know, uh, a Technico in Mexico—that's what they call the bay faces and the Rudos or the heels, the bad guys. So if you hear us say Technico and Rudo, you know what's hilarious about. is like you being like, if you guys don't know, the Technico is the baby face, and it's like, what if they don't know what a baby face? Is? <laughs> You're, like, using insider terminology to explain so insider terminology. <laughs> well, if you don't know what Bayface is, that's a good guy. And if you don't know what heel is, that's a he's, bad guy. He's a white hat, in case you don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, oh So that's God. really interesting stuff. So a um, couple other things that were going on here. So um, we had the, uh, the CMLL, the family tag team tournament that we've been kind of mentioning. I enjoyed the family tag team tournament. Yeah, so, you know, we mentioned you had Quattro and Sanson, you had Atlantis and Atlantis Jr., you had uh, Dragon Lee and Mystico, uh, those guys are brothers, you had Boldor Jr. and Flyer, Boldor is Flyer's uncle, um, and then you had... Um, Quattrero and Sanson. Yeah. Yep, and so um, we got that family tournament over a series of several nights. Uh, it started on the 16th. Quattro and Sanson defeated Atlantis and Atlantis Jr., which was a fun little match. Um, I liked the finish where Atlantis Jr. kind of got caught in this thing off the top rope. It was sort of like a... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was sort of like a torture rack, and then he got spun out and dropped. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Dragon Lee and Mystico, who were in the finals of the family tournament or of the brothers tag team tournament from the year prior, they lost to the Guerreros in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the family tournament, they took on Flyer and Volador Jr. Which um, this match on the 16th was probably the what the match of the night. Yeah. The Dragon Lee and Mystico match against La Familia Real. Yeah, and that was uh, that was really good. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I mean, you got four great guys in here: Dragon Lee, Mystico, uh, Bulldor Jr., and Flyer. I mean, all four of these guys are amazing high flyers. Very interesting too to see uh, Flyer and Volador sort of pick up the heel. Yeah, sort of yeah, role yeah. In that match. Yeah, it's kind of it's weird seeing uh, Bulldor kind of do some heel stuff. You know, I was doing some research as we were watching these shows, and it's hard to find accurate information about CMLL and Lucha in general, but it. Here's that Volador has been like kind of towing the line on Heeldom after the stuff with him teaming with Matt Taven, and mm-hmm. he's had like 
previous teams with like Los Ingrenables and like Roosh has come out in the past and said he has everything that it takes to be ingovernable. Mm. So he's, he's he's kind of flirting with the, the and you can kind of tell with his changed look and his changed right. attire. So mm-hmm. I think he sort of like toes the line between he's definitely a technico uh, and there's another guy that he ended up facing later in the tour that's sort of in the same place yeah. so we'll talk about that but um, Dragon Lee and Mystico ended up picking up the win here um, of all the matches on the first night or on, of the 16th I would definitely uh, recommend that Dragon Lee Mystico match against yeah. La Familia Real in fact almost every Dragon Lee and Mystico match is worth checking mm-hmm. out on the tour um, they might be the MVPs of the tour honestly yeah um, they that was great, and then um, the tournament finals was on the 18th. Dragon Lee and Mystico taking on Quatron Sanson. This was a rematch of um, the semifinal that they had had during the brothers tournament last year. One thing I like is that Sanson and Quatro sometimes will pull out like their special attire for like these big With the shows. matching gear. Yeah, they had the matching gear on this night. And remember last year they had the old school matching gear where they came out in tights instead of, or the trunks instead of tights? Yeah. I thought that was cool. And they, yeah. and they had the same masks. Like instead of having their regular mask, they just had the old school like just a white mask with like black eye holes and a black mouth, which was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So they did something similar to that here. but um, And this match, I thought that this was maybe the, one of the top two tag matches on the whole tour. Yeah, man. This match, yeah, this match was great. And you just have these guys doing all kind of crazy cool dives. You got um, Sanson Quattrero getting the heat on um, Mystico and Dragon Lee. And it's told a great story with these guys. Yeah, I love this match. Yeah, I thought it was great. Dragon Lee and Mystico ended up picking up the uh, the victory, winning the family tournament um, on the 18th. This set up a storyline where Grand Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero, who had won the brothers tournament last year were angry for being left out of the family tournament because they're like we're family and we're the you know previous champions yeah so they basically on the 20th had a the family tag team tournament winners from 2018 taking on the winners from 2019 and it was a rematch of the finals from the year prior this was the main event dragon lee and mystico taking on grand guerrero and ultimo guerrero which they they had uh, the match of the tournament prob- or the match of the tour probably last year uh, in during their um, the brother tournament yeah that match w- was incredible mm-hmm. I thought this was a slight notch below that um, I think that this this match was actually fairly short and had a slightly slower pace but it was it the spots were incredible yeah dude they had so many innovative and cre- uh, creative spots just the crazy dives that all four of these guys were doing. I mean, even like guys the size of Ultimo Guerrero and Grand Guerrero were doing some very impressive stuff. And then, you know, you had some um, strong style exchanges with um, Dragon Lee and Ultimo Guerrero. Uh, so, yeah, man, this was just another... Um, this is definitely one of the recommended matches of the whole tour. If you're if you're cherry picking this thing, I would definitely recommend uh, watching this one. Dragon Lee and Mystico against Ultimo and Gran Guerrero. So before we talk about the last couple um, big matches, there's a couple guys I just want to shout out, um, and we could just talk about very briefly. So some of the guys that weren't necessarily involved in any major storylines, but they were here on the tour. Aodas. Yeah, I, I was impressed with him a lot. I was impressed with Aodas. Uh, Templario, he's another young guy who, this was his, uh, I think for both of them, this was their first uh, Fantastic Mania tours. Templario is a, is a Rudo. 
Uh, he is in the um, Guerrero stable with Ultimo Guerrero and Grand Guerrero, and I thought that he was um, impressive on this tour. Um, who else? Well, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that um, throughout the tour, um, Desperado was wrestling under his old gimmick, uh, Namagage. Namahage. And Namahage, the interesting thing is he lost his mask in Mexico years ago. So again, they're not keeping the canon because mm-hmm. he's not really supposed to be wearing the mask. <laughs> uh, it was funny, a lot of the backstage promos where some of the wrestlers, like Okamura was like, I don't know if this is the same Namahage. <laughs> and Namahage was like, I- I've been in semi-retirement for years. Right, even on commentary, we got a few nights of English commentary. They were talking about how Namahage has been... He came out of retirement to come on this tour. Speaking of the English commentary, so we had uh, Mavs Gillis both nights, uh, the 20th and the 21st. On the 20th, we got Chris Charlton. Right. Uh, who was the guy we got on the 21st? Um, I, I missed his name. I know it was like an English gentleman. I'm not sure who he was or Man, where he came from. I was counting on you to yeah. know that. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to look that up earlier today, too. And I was I, trying to figure out who it was. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people like blowing him up, though, and saying like that he did a fantastic job. I didn't necessarily necessarily think that it was I wasn't I wasn't left with any sort of impression I didn't think he did a bad job or a good job but I see a lot of people that liked yeah yeah I saw a lot of people gassing him up on reddit um but I mean I, I thought Chris Charlton was better the night before oh, personally yeah, definitely yeah Chris yeah Chris killed it um and I thought this uh, you know this young uh, English gentleman um he was fine I, I mean obviously I've heard worse uh, he was no uh, I think what, Lenny Poffo. <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't a detriment. I think what a lot of the um, fans liked was that he was very knowledgeable on the product, and so there were times where he was able to help correct Mavs Gillis when he was making maybe mistakes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I also think, and don't I hope nobody takes this the wrong way, but I think like we as Western audience, when we hear someone with like just an English like accent, we're like, oh man, they sound. So professional, because you gotta admit, someone who, who has like that English accent, like I listen to like um, you know Ricky and Clive every week, and I'm like, man, these guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> and I know they don't have an English accent; they're Scottish, but like, still, any, anybody who has like that European like e- like accent, like to me, is gonna is has more credibility. They might not have any extra credibility, but because of the accent, they have more credibility. <laughs> so I feel like that might be part of it, but um, I think we got to figure out who that was and see if he's going to be uh, a reoccurring figure here in New Japan. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of the English commentary for both the shows? I mean, did you prefer that over the Japanese on this tour? Uh, um, yes, I did. You know, I've, I've been spoiled now since pretty much every show now has English commentary. Um, you know, I, I was missing that the first Isn't couple. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Remember, like, when we started the show, we weren't even sure. We were like, that used to be part of the news. Remember, like, part of the news was like, <laughs> New Beginning's going to have four <laughs> nights of English. <laughs> Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be English commentary on this tour. <laughs> like, savor it. We're like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is wild. And then they did English every night of the G1, and we stopped talking about it because now it's like literally. Almost- now it's almost expected. Like, yeah. when I saw no English commentary, I was like, <laughs> 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 I was like, 
What what the heck's Kevin Kelly? What, what, what are you doing? What, what's going on here? Yeah, like where, where's Mark Wojcicki or you know, Matt, what, what's going on here? And I'm uh, I'm doing this like 1980s rewatching project, and it's all in Japanese. So like I'm like, man, time times different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I've said in the past, I don't mind Japanese commentary. That's all I have. But you know, the English commentary helps you pick up on some stuff that you uh, might miss if uh, if you don't you know understand Japanese. Um, so I like that we did have English commentary. I do wish, you know, it was Kevin Kelly. Uh, but we got Chris Charlton, who, you know, he's, you know, the big history book guy, uh, wrestling. And so, oh, he was doing his homework. He was watching all those uh, backstage segments like, like yours truly. So yeah. you could tell because he, he was bringing it up a lot during the, uh, the broadcast. You know, and math is not bad, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't – I've always said this. I'm not one who's super critical about uh, – Brought or what, what? What's it called? Commentary. Commentary, because you have to be real egregiously bad for me to notice. And if you're like really, really good, I also won't notice. Like, <laughs> I won't think that you're like, unless you're really, 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 really good. I'm not gonna really notice the difference. Like, I'm not a big commentary guy. Like, if it's there and they're talking and it's, it's, it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I'm someone who like I don't have a problem with Matt Striker. If if you see what I'm saying, like, you're right. Like I don't like that doesn't bother me. The only thing that bothers me is like when I watch WWE and they just keep repeating the same crap over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like yeah. that's when like, but most companies, I mean, the commentary's gotta be bad for me to like say anything. And I mean, the only thing that I can't even remember in the past years that was like egregiously bad was Lanny Poffo for this. Company. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, <laughs> but um, the last four guys we're gonna talk about, and they were all over the tour. But they probably had what I would consider the two best matches of the tour. So on the um, 18th in the semi-main event, we got a match that we'd mentioned last week, which for me was the match I was looking most forward to, um, a singles match between Soberano Jr. and Barbaro Carbonario. Yeah, man, dude, that match was, yeah, one of the best matches that night. Um, I would go, you know, definitely four stars. Yeah. Uh, these guys just gelled together greatly, and you know, um, Barbaro, he's one of those Rudos that still wrestles with the the high pace and high flying style, and he's one of those guys that doesn't care about his body. He's out there doing these crazy dives and like diving, doing a big splash from the inside the ring to the outside on the floor. Yeah. Um, doing um, a reverse tombstone like flip pile driver thing. Like, he was doing all kind of, like, innovative and crazy stuff in this match. So, Carbonario wasn't necessarily involved in any major storylines. I don't even... I didn't really even see much of a build to the Soberano match in general. Mm -hmm. Um, He just kind of was in multi-man matches, but he seemed to be a highlighted guy every night. His act is very over New Japan, and from what I understand, even though he, like, was in, like, the... uh, the recent um, tournament finals that they had against Phoenix, and he challenges for belts... From what I've read, they actually portray him as a more overstar and a bigger deal in Japan than he regularly gets featured as in, say, CMLL in Mexico. So mm-hmm. he's very over in, in Japan. But he didn't have, like, a huge role. He did a lot of multi-man matches, but this was his um, singles match, which I think we've gotten used to having a, a Barbaro Carbonario singles match on, mm-hmm. on the, uh, you know, Fantasca Mania tours. 
And uh, I thought Soberano Jr. was a great guy to yeah. have him go against. Yeah, you know, um, Soberano is a guy that got a lot of criticism during the Super Junior Tag League. A lot of people were not impressed by his performance here. But during this tour, and specifically in this match, I thought Soberano looked great. And I think it was definitely one of those situations where he's um, just more comfortable wrestling against another luchador and wrestling that, that lucha style. And he was phenomenal in this match, um, doing all his, his dives and the Fosbury flops and all the stuff that he was doing. You know, I think, and I said this at the time, I I don't even know if necessarily he was that bad on that um, that junior tag tournament. Like, yeah, he had some botches. Like, he, he was having issues with, like, the ring ropes and landing some of his moves. And maybe there might have been some confusion between Western uh, working, like, the... Uh, Working the left versus the, the right left side. versus the right, that sort of thing. But I was always still impressed with him. I see a lot of talent in him. But I, re- I, and if you remember when we were doing those shows, I was like, dude, this guy is great. I've seen him be great. I've seen him in CMLL be great. I saw him during Fantastic Mania last year. I remember he was like one of the most impressive guys to me last year being a young guy. And I was like, dude, to me, he's more impressive and I got some flack for this, but I was saying at the time he was more impressive and interesting to me than Robbie Eagles was. Yeah. On that tour, and everyone's like, "Sobrano's the worst guy," and I'm like, "No, he's not." <laughs> um, and I could be, I could still be corrected on the jury's not out on Robbie Eagles. I'm not down on him, but I just didn't like. My whole thing was this: I wasn't impressed with Robbie Eagles. Everyone gasses him up, and but no one was like putting him under the bus during the Junior Tag League, when in reality, the only guy that was having blow-away performances was Shingo. Right, yeah. <laughs> no one was getting over. Volador didn't look good. On the, <laughs> it's Volador Jr., yeah. and he did not look impressive. Volador, he was, just a, he was a jag, pretty much, in the Junior Tag Tournament. That's what I'm saying, and so was Soberano. And, and you know what, why else? Because they were there to eat pinfalls. Right. Specifically, Soberano was there. Imagine, a guy doesn't get over. He gets beat almost every night of the tour. You think he's going to get over? Of course not. Yeah. But on, on this tour, Soberano looked every bit like the shining prospect that he is. And this match with Barbaro Carbonario was awesome. Yes, I love uh, this freaking match. It's the one match that I would say, like, maybe give it a rewatch. Now, um, I always feel kind of funny rating Lucha because I don't watch enough of it, and I feel like I don't have a good enough gauge on it. But I feel like I would probably go about four, just like you. Mm-hmm. But to me, a four-star Lucha match in some ways is more dynamic than some like four and a half star matches that are like your traditional Western style. Like, because especially on a tour like this, where we're seeing all these flips and all these dives and everything crazy, you get like a really good four, like solid four star match that has like elements of storytelling and drama and all that. This match was awesome. And maybe we're wrong. It could be better than that. I, I mean, I'd be interested to see like what someone like Cubs fan thought about the match. Or yeah. It. Like, because someone who's more familiar. Because again, we'll, we'll admit we're not like the most uh, knowledgeable lucha. People. Right. We're not, we're not watching you know Arena, Arena Mexico, Mexico every Friday night or anything. We yeah. we, we catch some stuff from here or there, but we're, yeah, I don't we're, watch Liga Elite or <laughs> you know I've I've never I'm not watching AAA even yeah. though I heard AAA just got a new. Uh, streaming deal or something like that. It's funny, like, growing up as a kid, anytime I'd flip through to the Spanish channel and AAA was on, I would I would watch it. Uh, but, yeah, it's not something that... I, I would, too, but I was always confused. Yeah, like, they're talking... <laughs> <laughs> like, 
the ring is six sided. This is for impact. I'm like, the ring is six sided. Like, yeah. It's got all these horns going on. Like, why is there so many clowns <laughs> and midgets? I don't understand. Yeah. I remember one time I turned it on and they were wrestling in that uh, that dome cage that TNA ended up adopting. Mm. And I was like, what is this? Cage is weird, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, this match was really, really, really good. Uh, Carvernario ended up picking up the win. Uh, he's my favorite luchador, and I mean he is my favorite luchador. Mm-hmm. I'm telling when I say he's my favorite, I'm saying I like him better than Phoenix. I like him better than Pentagon. He's my favorite guy. Um, I'm not watching Arena Mexico every week, but like I don't know, I, I don't know why I like Barbara Carbonario. Yeah, because I do. I remember last year you were like gassing this man up. You were like, bro, this guy's my favorite. I he's love my him. favorite. I love. Like, him. You gotta watch this guy and like, dude, I'm very impressed with him. He's he, like, he's like a mix between like, he's like if Bruiser Brody like <laughs> had like a Hispanic like son and you threw in a little bit of like I don't know like the head shrinkers or something in there with him like like some some Samoan or something I don't know but like yeah the caveman gimmick I I'm, I dig it like I'm yeah, all over it, it it's very cool and you know he's one of these guys where I'm like dude I if I'm an indie promoter I'm trying to find a way to get him on my U.S. show. I think he has that star power for that. I do, too, but I wonder if he would get over because of how, like, Lucha the gimmick is. I don't know. But I think if you book him in some some kind of more loose promotions, like a Chikara or a PWG. He could be in PWG. Where you have some of these kind of, like, off kind of weird gimmicks sometimes. Yeah. Um, I definitely think he would get over. And then if he gets over in PWG, then he's going to get over everywhere. GCW? Yeah, GCW. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Bring him to Tampa Bay Pro. Dak. (laughs) (laughs) Every week I mention Tampa Bay Pro. Like, in case you guys don't know, like, me and Jeremy, we live in Tampa. And, like, our local indie is Tampa Bay Pro. And when we say indie, it's, like, not even really an indie. It's, like... It's a training school where the majority of the people that are on the shows are from the training school. So it's like, it's a really good promotion, but I mean, it's small. And yeah, I love mentioning like guys coming to Tampa Bay Pro. It'd be like the best. Yeah. They did well, have, hey, Dax did say he's going to be, you know, trying to spice some shows up. We talked to Dax a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they did ago. have Shane Strickland a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, they had Swerve, and he said he's going to try to spice some things up. So maybe we, we'll talk to Dax, and we'll get Barbaro Cavanario <laughs> uh, at the big top against Troy Hollywood. We'll have him come on the show. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a translator. That would be great. But, yeah, so that's the match oh to catch. Uh, definitely check that out. And if, you've, if you're not familiar with Cavanario, check him out. So, Barano. Very, very, very impressive. He's got what I think might be the best torneo dive in all oh. of wrestling. Like yeah. that's the thing that stands out the most to me. Like his his I don't even know how many rotations he gets on it, but it's amazing. I, I love his um his Fosbury flop also. Yeah, he's that's really good. And then um, you know, the last match the top two guys we're gonna talk about, they are the top two guys. Uh, in CMLL that were on this tour, the two biggest stars, closing out the entire tour on the final night, Volador Jr. and Caristico. Uh, Yeah, and um, for those of you who don't know, Caristico, he was actually the original Sin Cara in uh, WWE that was uh, released a couple years ago. And so his original ring name was Mystico in Mexico, uh, he went went to WWE, became Sin Cara. Do you know how convoluted that whole thing is? Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, when he was wrestling in um, 
in Mexico. He wrestled as Mystico. Right. And then... He went to WWE. No, no, no. Listen. So then there was another indie wrestler who also wrestled under the name Mystico. They both end up in WWE. He ends up becoming Sin Cara. And then remember they had Sin Cara Black? Mm-hmm. Which was uh, Hunico. Hunico. When Hunico was in Mexico, he used to wrestle also as Mystico. <laughs> he was the other Mystico. So, so you had two Mysticos. They both go to WWE. Then you have two Sin Caras. Then Caristico gets fired or quits or whatever. They let him go, right? Yeah, they released him and they kept Hunico as Sin Cara. As the new Sin Cara. Right. So then while he was gone, they appointed a new Mystico, which is... Um, the current, Mystico, the current Mystico, which is um, which is also the first Dragon Lee. So, <laughs> so and they're and the new Dragon Lee, they're brothers. So, Mystico two, who is the older brother of Dragon Lee, he was Dragon Lee one. He uh, he abandoned the the Dragon Lee gimmick, became Mystico two. Then his younger brother became Dragon Lee two. They were both Dragon Lee, which is freaking <laughs> So he becomes Mystico 2. Uh, Caristico goes to AAA instead of coming back to CMLL, and he becomes Mistezes. And then he decides to leave. He quits. They come up with a new Mistezes. So there's a Mistezes <laughs> in AAA. Yeah. And then he came here, and he became Caristico. Yeah. And so all at the same time, you have Sin Cara, Mistezes, Caristico and Mystico. You yeah. got like four guys that are all basically dressed the same, wrestling <laughs> companies all yeah, the same that's time. That's the Lucha Man. It, it's a mass gimmick. They'll just find somebody else that's the same body size and that can fly and, you know, you're replaced. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Caristico formerly, you know, Sin Cara and WWE and kind of the story of Caristico on his tour. Um, he, he's normally a, uh, a Technico, um, but during this tour, he was kind of teaming with some of the Rudos and kind of having some Rudo te- uh, tendencies. Well, I was doing some research on this, too, and again, it's hard to... Well, I do know a few years ago he'd gone full Rudo. When he was when in AAA. In AAA, when he was in his feud with uh, Rey Mysterio. And then right when that was picking up steam was when he left and went back to CMLL. Um, him and Volador actually have a very storied past. They had feuded back in 2010 when he was Mystico. And then when he came back to, C- to CMLL in 2017... They had a, a series of big matches, so they've they've had many. Ma- I did hear them say that uh, you know Volador picked up his third pinfall victory over Cristico in a singles match. That's not true. I, I looked on Cage Match, and he's they both beat each other many times mm. in singles matches. It's match. one of those Osprey girls deals, sort of. But the the thing is. Both guys have towed the lines of going into heeldom when they've faced each other, pulling each other's masks off. Uh, right, there was a using six, the, the six-man tag. Um, Voldor pulled off uh, Caristico's mask. Yes, he did, and yeah. that's not the first time. So there's there, like, it's been a very heated feud, and part of it comes down to Caristico when he was Mystico back in the mid 2000s, 2006, 2007. He was the biggest drawing star in the entire world. We're we're talking the whole world. Bigger than John Cena, bigger than anybody in Japan. 
uh, he won the Wrestler of the Year in Observer that year. So, I mean, he was a big, big, big star. That's why it was a big deal when he came to WWE. And when he left, Volador was the man who they chose to replace him. So he was like the new ace. So at this point, these are like two of the biggest stars still in CMLL. And so them kind of having the history and then also being the little stars that they are, this was a great close out the Fator and delivered here. They really delivered. Yeah, and you know, part of that whole, you know, backstory kind of play on this match, they were trying to one-up each other. Like, you would you would have um, Crisco do a Topekon Hero, and then uh, Bordor do one. You would have um, Crisco do a Suicide Dive, then Bordor do. They were, like, going back and forth trying to one-up each other to see who could do the move better. My only complaint about that was this, and maybe I'm off base, but every time I watch two out of three, there was no two out of three falls matches on any of this uh tour and the way that they worked this single fall match to me felt like they were in the third fall and so it was almost like they were using the psychology and pacing of a match that already had the two falls pass basically Mm -hmm. so what you're picking up on there jeremy where like they were trying to one-up each other you notice how they did so much selling after every time they would do it too yeah that's like how they do a lot of the third fall matches but usually it works better because the first two falls are quicker you've watched the first two falls yeah Yeah, and they've like already exhausted themselves Mm -hmm. so by the time the third fall comes when they're going hitting each other with these big moves then and then you notice a lot of times they go for a pinfall immediately which Mm -hmm. i love i like that when guys go for pinfalls you know after hitting big moves it makes sense but i felt like the one my one retraction from this match is i felt like the pace being slower works better in the context of a two out of three falls match than it did being since it was a a single fall match i would have liked to see volador and cruz to go and you know i like selling but i would have preferred them to do a little less selling and to work a little bit faster pace yeah they were doing the the epic main event style of cmll which I get why, but I felt like they need to go a little quicker. But yeah. but with the the amount of crazy spots they were doing, you can't really complain too much about this match. They were really, really, really putting on a show. Yeah, dude. They were doing a lot of innovative spots, a lot of creative dives and moves, a lot of creative um, hurricane ranas and stuff, um, you know, Spanish flies, you name it. They were doing it. I did like at the end when Caristico uh, went for the La Mystica. Yeah, the La Mystica, which is like a tilt-a-whirl into a Fujiwara armbar. And and he was, they were fighting for that, and uh, I really thought he was about to, to get Volador out of there, and then Volador rolled all the way through to the ropes, and then a, a few moments later uh, hit Caristico with the top rope Spanish fly for the win, and I thought that that was a very good finish. Yeah, that, that was a great finish. Uh, I, I love that the Spanish fly actually being used as a finish, especially off the top rope. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, and yeah, man, I, I also love, because they, they've built up the La Mystica um, finish because Caristico and Mystico both use it, and they and, were putting they were putting everybody away. And as soon as they as soon as they cracked the R up, up, people were like tapping quickly. Most, most submissions in, in in Mexico, CMLL, like, yeah, I like that. I like it's putting putting the submission they tap out almost immediately because it's like they're like it's like a real it's real you know. Yeah, like Mario and his little gimmick when he did he did on Soberano, uh tapped out quick. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not Bret Hart sitting in Bob Backwing for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you know that that's how long he sits in... Bro, <laughs> the, the the match where they had to throw in the towel, you remember that match? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, I did the... One time I literally recorded it, or like, not recorded, but went back on the network and I like, like, like timed, timed it. Timed how long? 
Bret Hart is in the freaking crossface chicken wing for 10 minutes. Oh, my God. Before Martha Hart throws in the towel. Bro. <laughs> Dude. Maybe it's two minutes. No, it's... I think it is 10 minutes. I'll have to do, to do it again, but if I remember correctly, it's like 10 minutes. And I'm like, this man should be... This guy should be dead. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a great match. And uh, Caristico cut a promo after the match. Said, Voldor, you are better than me tonight. I recognize it. I love this wrestling style because you are king of the air. You know what? Tonight, I bow my hat to you. Congratulations. And then he said, the only thing left to say is thank you for everything. Thank you for support. CMLL, Fans of Escamania 2019. Thank you very much, Japan. One last match we got to talk about, and it does not fit into the canon of CMLL, and it does not fit into the canon of New Japan. It fits into the canon of Lion Pro Wrestling. Yes, and this is um, based off of the My Dad is a Heel Wrestler movie, the movie that Hiroshi Tanahashi is starring in, and so they had a match to promote the movie, and like you mentioned, in the movie, the company is called Lion Pro Wrestling. Um, they have a Z1 tournament. Well, the funny thing is they actually reference New Japan. So, like, um, in the movie, Tanahashi's character is uh, Go- Gokaburi Mask. Which is uh, the cockroach. Cockroach Mask. And before he was Gokaburi Mask, when he was under his real name in the movie, he was actually wrestling in New Japan. Mm. When, and he was the ace of New Japan, and he had been wrestling... He actually wrestled Satoshi Kojima as Satoshi Kojima. Yeah. And then he injures his knee. He blows out his knees, hitting a high-five flow. And then years later, he has to go to rival promotion, Lion Pro Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. But uh I still need to see the movie, but yeah, so we had Gokaburi Mask, which was uh Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming with Ginbai Mask, which was uh Taguchi. Ryosuke Taguchi. They were the heel team, um, taking on Sweet Gorilla Murayama, which was uh Makabe. Yep. Uh Makabe and then Dragon George, which was Kazushika Okada, the reigning Lion Pro Wrestling heavyweight champion. And unfortunately for you, uh, this man came out with pants again. <laughs> yeah, I liked those pants. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like I have no problem with those pants. Um, did, I thought they looked good. I was gonna ask you like, what did you think about those? Yeah, pants? I mean, I thought they were fun for you know for this for this show. Here's what I noticed. I thought that those pants did not fit him well. I also didn't think that uh, Taguchi or Tanahashi's uh, shorts fit them well. I feel like maybe when they record, like when they did the movie, like they were all different sizes, and then they they don't fit into their gear from before. Because I thought that uh, Okada's pants were a little oversized, while um, the heel team's like shorts were like too small for them. Like they they were like kind of like. Like yeah, they didn't fit into yeah. those shorts. They were looking like Taiji out there. <laughs> but um, I thought that this was fun. I thought it was funny how the commentary team put this over like a real contest. Right, know? and they're talking about like Lion Pro Wrestling and the history with all these guys and like the rivalries and like their moves and stuff. <laughs> they did, you know, they did it with a bit of tongue in cheek. So I mean, it was yeah. comical, but they were kind of keeping kayfabe, which was really funny. Um, I love, I love heel Tanahashi. I always have wanted Tanahashi to go heel. Um, I remember a few years ago when he got to heal it up in DDT and that was like 
a revelation to me because I was like, this man's incredible. <laughs> and so I, I thought that they went out there and had a lot of fun. I don't know how I would rate something like this because it's so yeah, bizarre. I, I, I don't know how to rate it either, but I, I would say it's worth a watch just for, from a comedic uh, aspect. At the very, very end, though, when you got the Okada Tanahashi stuff, I was like, these two guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, they still, they went out there, hit a couple of their spots, and it just was incredible. And I was like, let's, let's run it back. Like, <laughs> it's the one match that I could see a million times. I'm never going to get tired of it, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I yeah. thought everybody was funny here. Yeah, Dragon George got the win for his team with the Dragon Maker. Yeah, the Dragon Maker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ginbai Mask actually uh, got to the back, and he was going to, he was cutting a promo, and then Ishimori ran in the back and sprayed him with bug spray <laughs> and and took off his mask and you know basically humiliated uh Taguchi um Gokabori mask got to the back and said how he was going to get his revenge on Dragon George um when Makabe got to the back it was kind of funny he was like kind of in character but not really he was like haha those guys really had a good time out there didn't they he's like they probably get so tired of getting uh all the heels cheating on them so they had a chance to go out there like take out their frustration so, <laughs> talking about how like the the faces got to play heel for one night yeah but the one guy who like was really 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 in character and like was playing it up so heavy was Okada Okada's like hello I am Dragon George. I am the champion of Lion Pro Wrestling. <laughs> He's like, I have come here to face the best competition in the world, and I want to challenge Kazushika Okada <laughs> to a one-on-one match. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, Ghetto. Book it. Dragon George versus Okada. Bro, that's that's money, bro. <laughs> Oh man. So um that pretty much that's gonna cover um Fantastic Man. Do you have any final thoughts about the, the whole tour? What were you uh, you know I mean I guess I have a few observances. Um you know. Overall I thought the tour ended up being very good. Um there was a lot of, you know, uh, recommended matches to go go back and watch. It, there's some definitely highlight stuff from guys like Voldor, Caristico, uh, Barbario, Cavanaro, Soberon Jr. On Hell de Oro. On Hell de Oro. They you know they built the, up the, the Dinamitas. Yeah. The, um, Dra- the Dragon Gu- Lee, the Mexico. Guerreros. Yeah, they built up the um, the IWGP Junior Title match. They built up the Junior Tag Title matches. You know, I forgot to mention Dragon Lee on several nights mentioned. Um, uh, Hiromu Takahashi and saying he was waiting for him. At one point, uh, he cut a promo in the ring where he was like, I only have one thing to say. And he's like, Moto, 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 Moto. And I was like, Yeah, bro. Like, I got chills. Like, I got a little bit teary eyed. And then he was like, He was like, Takahashi, I'm waiting for you. And I was like, Ooh. And uh, something else with Dragon Lee, there was one, a couple of, either one or two matches where he was in there with Namagage Desperado. I remember last yes. year there was that tease of them having a mask versus mask a match, and they ran it. They just had some uh, strong style exchanges in their matches. Yeah, that was on the 20th. They actually, that was a good six man. It was Caristico, uh, Barbaro Cavernario, and Namahage against Auda, Soberano, and Volador. No, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Dragon Lee. Yeah. Um, what night was that? Was that the 16th? Might have been the 16th. Because I remember them, like, going at it, basically. Yeah, they were, like, going at They had, like, the strong style um, kind of a stick. Oh, was, oh it, was it was the last the, it night. It was the 21st. My bad. Yeah. That was the Guerreros and Namahage against Dragon Lee, Mystico, and Soberano. Yeah. That was a good match. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Namahage and Dragon, Desperado and Dragon Lee, they started kind of like, I liked that. They were like kind of heating up their previous, uh, you know, feud that they had, you know, during the Best of Super Juniors from last year. Dragon Lee actually, after that match, uh, cut a promo in the back saying that he wanted to do a mask versus mask match this year. So, hey. He didn't say who, and then he said the other thing is he plans to win the IWGP Junior Championship this year, and he doesn't care what it's going to take. That's one of his main, like, goals for the year. And then um, Mystico was like, Euphoria, I'm coming for your mask. <laughs> and I was like, dude's not even on the tour, bro. <laughs> that was, like, the one time someone mentioned anything outside of, like, the tour, which yeah. was interesting. Um, I thought it was... I thought that they came with a stronger roster than maybe any other year, Mm -hmm. but they had so few singles matches, and they've had better lineups as far as the actual matches in the past. I thought that even though the tour was enjoyable, there was very little that was blow away. Last year, I felt like we had some nights that were really good where there was, like, multiple title matches, multiple big matches. This year, there was, like... A few, there was like one tight, you know, six man title match, and then, you know, some some good singles matches. But I did think that even with the better, um, with the better roster, they actually put on a weaker effort, and part of that might have had to do with the fact that they did more nights mm-hmm. than they have in the past. Yeah, it's like they kind of watered down. Like, because when this, you know, when they started Fantastic Mania, it was like one night. Now it's like a whole tour, and the tour is getting bigger. And it's like we're kind of, they're kind of thinning it out. Like they could probably be giving us better shows if it was sh- uh, shorter. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, one other thing though is I did like that they were integrating a lot of the like New Japan guys. But you notice like some of the bigger stars like Okada, Tanahashi, who are usually on this tour, they weren't on featured on the whole tour. Right. And I like to see like the only real top guy that was here was like Naito. And LIJ really wasn't like a focal point like they've been on other Fantastic Mania. Yeah, I feel when when they have Rouge on there, it's it's more of a kind of a focal point. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. I would personally like to see going forward if they're gonna keep doing Fantastic Mania tours, I would like to see more of an element of what we see with like the Ring of Honor Honor Rising shows where they do um, New Japan and CMLL guys. They used to do that on these shows. That's my one knock. They used to do a lot of, you know, singles matches between CMLL and New Japan guys. Mm-hmm. Big matches that were kind of cool, that were like dream matches. Now it's kind of more like a CMLL tour that features some New Japan guys. Right. And I think that is one thing that's kind of turning some of the New Japan fans off from the sh- from the tour. I thought the tour is enjoyable. It wasn't like a chore to get through. But, um, I mean, how cool would it be to see, like, you know, I don't know, like, Dragon Lee. I, or I don't even know. I'm not... I, I don't know if I have a good, like, match to throw out there. But, you know... Um, just, Okada versus Volador. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Maybe that's too big of a match. But <laughs> something something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Ishii versus... Go. Yeah, and I understand why some of the New Japan guys are not on the tour because they're on they're, they're like getting their break before New Beginning after you know a long year, and I get it. But I would like to see some matches like that personally. I mean, yeah. that's what I think would be cool as opposed to seeing 
night after night, six-man tag, six-man tag, six-man tag, and it's all the same guys fighting the same guys, you know? Right. Or maybe, like, Ultimo Guerrero against Ishii. Oh, my God. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, something like that would be really cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff I would like to see going forward. I don't know. Yeah, those are all great suggestions, and... So, we'll see what they do for next year's Fantastic Mania. But I will say this, guys. Every year we say it. Don't sleep on Fantastic Mania. It, I know that there's other podcasts that are like, oh, it's just, you know, fodder. Or, you know, there's other, like, reviewers who are saying, like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, something you just put on in the background and, you know, you kind of pass by it. And it's like, well, th- these are the most talented, like, luchadors in the world coming to Japan and putting on, like, a really cool show with a really cool atmosphere. The fans love it. And I'm telling you, like, if you just open up your, like, mindset and watch it and give it a chance, you'll, you'll be really impressed. And it, yeah. they're, they are fun. They weren't as fun as they usually are, though. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. That, that's one th- other thing. Usually they do more goofy stuff. This was a little more of a serious, serious tour. Yeah. Like, they didn't do as much fun stuff. There was a spot I liked where... <laughs> Um, they kept um, who, oh it was Taguchi Taguchi had his back turned and um, I don't remember who or maybe it wasn't Taguchi somebody had their back turned and they kept doing arm breakers their partner oh it was Taguchi um, I forget who he was tagging with but like it was Kushida he, yeah yeah he was sitting there waiting for to get the arm and then like he would accidentally like grab his partner's arm yeah, and yeah. then Ishimori turned it around because Taguchi wasn't looking and he got Kushida's arm and he put it over uh, Taguchi and Taguchi did it like an arm breaker it was so funny man so yeah there was there was some goofy stuff but they didn't have as much fun I would say as they usually do which I kind of like that yeah I would like a more more mix of a little bit more fun and a little bit more big time matches but overall I thought it was good yeah Good stuff there. So that's our our thoughts on Fantastica Mania 2019. Uh, now we're going to jump into questions. So the first question we have here is from Reddit user Yortex. And he asked if you were to pick one member of the CMLL roster who isn't Dragon Lee to be in the best of the Super Junior this year, who would you pick? That is a seriously tough question. <laughs> I'm going to defer to you. Um, I'm going to go with um, Angel de Oro. That That's who you'd like to see in the best Super Juniors? Yeah. Why? I was really impressed with him. Um, this Fantastic Mania Tour, I think he does a lot of um, cool-looking dives and high-flying maneuvers, and I just think he would be um, just a great addition to the best of Super Junior lineup. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, my initial pick, personally, would obviously be Cabernario. Mm-hmm. And he has been in the Best of the Super Juniors before. It was, like, 2015. Um, but I think he might be too big at this point for that. That's what I, 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 that's one of the reasons why I didn't say him. It's like, cause like, cause I'm looking at him, I'm like, I feel like he could be a heavyweight. I'm not sure if he fits the junior weight limit. Well, you know, like, in Mexico, they have... Like six weight classes, but everyone's in every weight class. Right. <laughs> so it's not real. <laughs> like it, it's really weird. But um, no. I, if I had to pick someone, you know, I would say at this point maybe Mystico. Um. Ooh, yeah, that's a good. Yeah. 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 I think he'd be a, a good guy because 
recognizable character, recognizable mask. It, obviously, it's not Caristico, but maybe that'd be a good way to kind of give him more exposure over here. Mm-hmm. And he's really a really, really, really impressive guy. So if I wasn't going to go Angel de Oro, that's the guy I would pick for the best Super Juniors. I think he'd be a. I think it would add prestige as well as just be good for everybody all around. All right, Reddit user Templar two three five says Templario. <laughs> he says any of the Fantastical Mania crew you'd like to see more of in New Japan this year, Angel de Oro impressed me a lot. Yeah, I think I think we've been sang, singing his praises. I think a lot of people are obviously very impressed with him. I mean, I'm I'll start it off. I mean, the one guy that it's likely we'll see a lot of, hopefully, uh, Dragon Lee. Yeah. I mean, we we do see him probably a little bit more than most of these guys, but I mean, I would love to see him more um, more in uh, New Japan. Also, like you mentioned, uh, Mystico, I think would be another great addition to see, and obviously, you know, um, Barbario Cavanario would be a great guy, and Helde Oro, Caristico. Um, We're gonna get to this in the news, but obviously, there's big news surrounding Roosh, which he was not on this tour, but he's one of, if not maybe the biggest star currently in CMLL and there's some news happening with him and recent signings in the US and there's a very likely possibility we may be seeing him uh, work more New Japan dates moving forward uh, and that could possibly even be a G1 competitor dude that would be awesome so Roosh is another guy that I'd like to see more of he's a star so uh, Reddit user Zero Pi, what do you think the main event will be for the G1 Supercard if no members of the Elite will be at the show? Well, I think right now the rumored main event, and I don't know how it's going to shake out and how we're going to get there, I don't know, but the largely rumored main event is Okada Tanahashi. Yeah, that's the main event I've also been hearing as a rumor. Um, so again, I mean, we have honestly we have no real idea of what it could be, but what it's going to be. But that's what I've been hearing, Okada Tanahashi. My assumption is that even though it's a co-branded event, I think the Ring of Honor title or whatever big you know program that they put on, and with some of the recent signings they've made, they have all the time in the world and all the talent in the world to do something big mm-hmm. for, for MSG. But I think that the IWGP title will get the preeminence on the show just because uh, the fact that New Japan's the bigger company. I would be surprised if they headlined with the Ring of Honor title. Although, again, this is the same company that headlined uh, Supercard of Honor last year with uh, Dalton Castle and Marty Skrull instead of Omega and Cody. Yeah. <laughs> so anything's possible. So, you know, we could be talking about a Ring of Honor world title main eventing. Right. And a lot of people are forgetting, you know, this is, this is a co-branded show, Ring yeah. of Honor and New Japan. Like, there, this is prob- there's going to be a lot of Ring of Honor guys featured on this card. I think a lot of people are thinking it's going to be like some sort of split where it's like 70-30 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I really don't think it is. I really think it's going to be 50, 50. a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. And and there are, uh, I've heard other podcasts and other people speculate because the star power with New Japan and stuff that it's going to be, you know, they'll, they'll be more like credence given to New Japan. I don't think it's going to be like that, man. Yeah. I really think it's going to be a 50-50 split. Now, I think that they're going to come hard and heavy with a really good card, and I don't think we're going to get like the same caliber of card that we got with Supercard last year. I think it's right. going to be better. 
or it needs to be anyways. But with that being said, I mean, you're still getting half Ring of Honor. <laughs> right. You're, you're going to get Jay Lethal. You're going to get the Kingdom. Um, the Briscoes. The Briscoes. But then again, they got a lot of new and exciting guys there. Yeah. Bandito. Bandito Roosh. Yeah. Um, Jeff Cobb. Yeah. All sorts of guys. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting. But, yeah, I, I'm going to say right now... To headline the the big match that's never been done in the U.S. that is worthy of that, if we don't have any elite guys, I think Okada and Tanahashi makes a lot of sense. I think that that's I don't think that that's them blowing anything because that match has been done so many times where it's like if they they've already sold out the card but they need something that can headline and you mm-hmm. don't want to throw away a match. Right. You want something memorable. You want something memorable, but you also don't want to throw away something that you could have drawn a Tokyo Dome with. You know what I right. mean? Or Dominion. Or Dominion or whatever. I think that to me in the US for that show, provided that they're the two guys at the top, that's the match that makes a lot of sense. Now, the one thing we got to keep in mind is whatever the IWGB title match is going to be, it's most likely going to be whoever is the champion going into uh, April versus whoever wins the New Japan Cup. So in this scenario, I'm going to assume that either Okada or Tanahashi has won the New Japan Cup and one of them is the champion. And, you know, there's still the whole Jay White factor. We don't know how that's going to play out. So that's another thing to keep in mind. We could be seeing a Jay White title defense depending on if he's the champion at that point or not. Yeah, we could. Uh, Reddit user Undoubtedly Dean asked, do you think Sekimoto could ever be an active member of the New Japan roster? And who would you most like to see him face off against? Um, So, I don't know who this Sekimoto that you speak of is. I think he's talking about uh, is he talking about Daisuke? Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought he was talking about. You know I love Daisuke Sekimoto. <laughs> yeah. My God. Um, yeah, I don't know if he ever would be, but... I think New Japan needs to make some big signings this year. Yeah. So I know the whole honor thing and the whole, like, you know, freedom and him being a freelancer and all that is important. But with with the current climate, it's time to go to war. And it's time for them to start signing some big-name talent. And Daisuke Sakamoto is one of those guys that I'm like, they should go out and get him. Yeah, dude, this guy is great. I mean, we, we saw him live um, last year at WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans against Keith Lee. I mean, this guy's just a monster, and he'd be a great pickup for them this year. If there's one person I'd like to see him wrestle in New Japan personally, um, Shingo Takagi. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) They... Zip the jacket, man. It's getting, it's getting hot here, dude. Daisuke and uh, Shingo, man. They've had one singles match. Well, it was it was just once, and it was 2006 or, or 2000. Uh, him and uh, Ishii. That's another match. Oh, that yeah. <laughs> Guys, Jeremy's losing. Like Jeremy's about to pop, bro. Dude, I'm popping all over the place, man. Um, yeah, dude, that would be amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I think they should sign him. I think that they need to go out of their way to get some new talent in 2019. Um, he's a guy that I think they hypothetically could get, and that's who I'd like to see. Who's someone you'd like to see Sakamoto go against in New Japan? Um, hmm. Obviously, you mentioned two great ones of Ishii and Shingo. Um, Goto. 
That would be so A motivated Goto. That would be really good. That would be really good. I'd like to see him wrestle like Okada. Yeah. And Tanahashi. And Tanahashi. Abushi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Run it. Throw him in the G1. Put him in the G1. Put him in that, you know, the B block where it's, you know, where the you have killer a killer block. Yeah, the killer block. Yeah. Uh, the, our next question comes from Muzza underscore 44. Name a realistic tag team that you would want to win the never six-man tag team championships. Okay, Muzza. Does anybody want anybody to win the <laughs> never six-man tag team championship? Oh, my gosh. Um, a realistic team that I would... I, I Honestly, I'm just... I actually got to be honest. I know I said that jokingly, but I don't know that there's a team that I care about winning that title. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the champions right now? <laughs> the current champions are the Bullet Club... OG, yeah. Tamatonga, Tangaloa, and Taiji Shimori. Which I think on the road to New Beginning, they are there's a rematch against um, Gucci, Makabe, and um, who's the third guy on their team? Gucci, Makabe, Yano. Yano, yeah. Um, for me, uh, you know, I think it'd be cool to you know strap up um, Lij some more. Why not do Shingo, Evil, and Sonata? Um, I'm just going to throw it out there because they're a trio that wrestles together all the time and it doesn't look like necessarily right now they're going to be placed in any sort of junior uh, situation. So why not give it to Rapongi 3K? Show Yo and Rocky? Yeah. Yeah. Rapongi 3K, 3K, 3K. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would, I would like that. That would make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Maserati. He says, what are you guys looking forward to the most in New Japan Pro Wrestling in 2019? What new talent acquisitions do you think they're going to make? Hopefully these aren't questions you've already answered. Those are great questions and difficult questions. What What are we most looking forward to in New Japan in 2019? Uh, the first thing that comes off the top of my head is just um, the dual Wrestle Kingdom Nights. Especially considering that we're planning on traveling. Well, I guess that's, that's 2020. 2020. Yeah. Um, so 2019, I mean, the the first night of the G1 being in Texas. I think that's kind of a cool thing. I'm interested to see how that's going to come together. That's very exciting. Um, for me in 2019, I think that the G1 climax is what I'm most looking forward to mm-hmm. of anything. There's so many uncertain like uncertainties going into this year right now. Um I don't know what to expect with the whole Switchblade situation. I don't know what to expect with Okada and Tanahashi or if Omega's even still part of the company. Right. But with how many talented guys they have for me, it's got to be the G1. Like that's especially with the idea that Will Ospreay is going to be in it probably this year. The whole entire G1 sounds very exciting to me. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to uh, Dominion because, like we mentioned during our Wrestle Kingdom talks, that I feel like um, another big show could beat Wrestle Kingdom for show of the year. Um, you know, in our awards for the 2018 awards, Dominion beat out Wrestle Kingdom um, 12. Um, so I feel like Dominion could beat out Wrestle Kingdom again. Possibly. Uh, as far as talent acquisitions, do I think that they're, you know, who do I think they're going to get? I don't know who they're going to get. I am a little bit concerned that 
there obviously is a lot of news going on with a lot of guys throwing a lot of money. You're hearing it from MLW, Ring of Honor, AEW, WWE. I mean, everything's up in the air. No one's really talking about New Japan. Yeah, New Japan's not really hasn't really been in the talent acquisition acquisition mix. Um, they did talk earlier last year about you know their increased uh, revenue and how they were planning to make bids and offers on top guys and that this was going to open up more opportunity but um you know I think we I think what they're really partially waiting for is to see what happens with AEW mm-hmm. I think that's something but um you know New Japan we've criticized them in the past for having some antiquated business practices and I think that this is they are a very conservative company this is not a time to I understand fiscal responsibility is important, but there, you know, and I know that the roster is very strong and also, you know, some people say bloated. I wouldn't say bloated. I'm not saying that they need all the talent in the world, but at the same time, just maybe for the sake of being seen as one of the powerhouses, having your name in the talks with these different talents that are out there. Right. I don't know what kind of talents they are looking for, but they got a junior division they need to rebuild. That's important. Yeah. And maybe some of these bigger stars who are going to be coming available very shortly, um, I don't think that they want to be looked at, especially if they're looking to expand West as the like third option, you know? Um, or even like the fourth option. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of want to be seen as the place where people want to go to work. I know that the kind of money they're throwing to like a Jericho isn't something that they're going to throw at everybody. So I don't know what kind of offers they are willing to make. Uh, we've seen with companies like MLW, they're willing to throw everything it takes to get certain guys. Yeah. On the flip side, though, with their strong relationship with Ring of Honor, the relationship with CMLL, Rep Pro, They've got a stack of guys on right. deck. They could easily cycle in guys, from, the, guys. from those promotions. and So r- it's not like them. they're in trouble or anything, but I think for the sake of even just appearance, like, you know, the way that people perceive New Japan, you want to be perceived as one of the big players. Yeah. So I don't, but I don't have any idea of who they could acquire. I mean, do you have any, like, inclinations of guys that maybe they – would or should pick up or anything like that. Well, like we mentioned earlier, I mean, Daisuke Sakamoto would be um, a great guy to pick up. Um, but, you know, outside of that, man, like, I can't think of anybody that they would have on their radar that's not already, you know, potentially being signed. I mean, there there have been a lot of top free agents the last few months, and, you know, a lot of them are either going to WWE or AEW right now. Hey, guys, here's one thing, too, you got to keep in mind, and it's important, and it's something that New Japan does on a level that most of these other companies are not doing, and it's it cannot be understated, like, overstated enough. The Lions, uh, the Young Lions uh, system really works. And yeah, dude, I saw a clip of the uh, great O'Karn um, killing it in Rev Pro. Man's got hair now. Yeah, he was looking kind of fat. But yeah, yeah. He, I hit, I saw him hit somebody with this uh, giant um, choke slam. I guess he's undefeated over there. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, like so he's on some sort of undefeated streak. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're still waiting for those guys to come back. So you know, we're talking. All the other companies are like, who can we get? Who can we get? And it's like New Japan's like. 
you know, we got Narita, we got Umino, we got, you know, Oka, we got uh, Kawato. Kawato, you know, they got lots of guys that they're building up. And then they're also building up these young lines over here in the West that we don't even really know about, yet, yeah. you know, with Shibata. So uh, it's an exciting time. Everyone's jumping, everyone's signing and all that, but New Japan's building. And that's something a lot of other companies are not doing or able to do i mean how many like guys came out of the pc center that were like built that are like you know for for every one roman reigns there's like how many hundreds of guys that didn't make it yeah you know yeah so i mean that's one thing to keep in mind that this company really does build stars where other guy other companies don't that's important um, eater of bread, eater underscore of underscore bread, asked if Omega does leave or step back to only limited dates with New Japan Pro Wrestling, who would you most likely, who would you most like to be positioned as the Gaijin Ace? Jay White, Will Osprey, Zack Saber Jr., Juice Robinson, or other? Hmm. Um. I think personally, I think Zack Saber Jr. is a guy I would like to see. Um, position as a Gaijin ace, but based off of the push and promo materials, Jay White is clearly the guy that they're positioning as the new Gaijin ace. Uh, I agree to an extent, but I think that Juice is someone that they are going to be investing in long term, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in that sort of role. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are very concerned because Jay White is the one who's kind of been put there for now but I think as Jay has been elevated Juice is gonna is his natural foil <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and so for everybody who's like so worried about like Jay White getting this push like I think people are missing the point that like all his contemporaries and the guys that came up in the same class as him are also being elevated with him because they're seen on the same level as him so Jay being pushed helps Juice it helps Finley those guys are all considered as part of the they're almost like the foreign gaijin musketeers <laughs> um, yeah. I, and you know I've, I just think obviously Jay is the guy that they're going with like yeah. he he for now he just is and I mean, you know, uh, do I think that Will Zach and Juice are more talented in the ring than him? Like yeah, but he is the most convincing and compelling heel that they have at that role, and he's doing a great job. And I mean, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, we talk about like a Gaijin ace, and I mean I guess they always do have like a top Gaijin, but you know the closest to being a real ace they ever had was like Kenny. And I don't know if any of these guys are going to get to that level. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. But I mean, I love Will Ospreay. I'd like to see what Will has, you know, does next. Especially, you know, Will Ospreay in, um, open weight slash heavyweight kind of role. Especially with them making more of a push to break into the European and British market. Yeah, that big think, London show they have coming in August. I think Osprey and Zack Sabre are going to play a big role into into that as well. Um, but I mean, like, for me, I'm, I'm not someone who's like, I'm not really attached to any of these guys. I like all four of them, to be yeah. honest with you. Like, I, I really do. Um, I think... There are things I could say that are negative about all four of them to kind of pull back, and there's positives I could say about all four of them. 
at all, all at the same time, you know? Um, and I don't think any one of them is really, like, the complete package the way that I thought Kenny was. Right, yeah. yeah Personally. To- totally agree with you on that one. But I think Jay, as far as, far as a character, is the guy that makes the most sense for the time being. For right for what, now. For what they're doing. Yeah. So next question comes from Reddit user JQNCG. What should be Naito's path this year? That is an interesting question. Um, I don't know, man. What do you think? Like, do you see... Do you think Naito is going to... I think Naito at some point is going to get to the heavyweight title picture. He's got to. Mm-hmm. Do you see him as being someone who goes titleless all year? And hypothetically, say, wins the G1? And then challenges for the belt in the Dome next year? Or... Do you see him as being someone who picks up the title at some point in the year and then has a title reign throughout this year, maybe even leading into the Dome as the champion? Uh, for me, I, I'm getting more of a feeling that he's going to win the G1 and challenge for the title at one of the Wrestle Kingdom nights. That that makes a lot of sense to me. That's kind of what I'm seeing as well. Um, so, like, let's say... Okay, so we kind of understand his path at that point. Starting after Dominion, he's going to be in the G1. He's going to win it. He's going to defend his briefcase, and then he's going to go and face the champion, hypothetically, maybe even an Okada. Yeah. Only because that would be good storytelling because it would be their third main event. He's never been able to beat him in the Dome, giving him the big win everyone's always wanted. That would be a good path. We're coming into February for New Beginning. What's his path between now and the G1? So between now and Dominion, what's that path? That I'm not as clear on. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, we got this big defense of Tai Chi coming up. I mean, that's going to set up so many things. Because either A, he beats Tai Chi, keeps the IC, I would say he keeps the IC belt, and probably drops it at Dominion. So he holds the title, defends it all the way up to Dominion, takes a loss at Dominion, then turns around and wins the G1. Yeah. Or that's, that's a really that's a strong way to book him all throughout the year. The only thing I, that concerns me is having him lose on a big stage like say Dominion. Right. Although there is sort of that like Bret Hart losing at SummerSlam sort of feel to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it could be one of those situations. Let's just say, for example, it's Saber. Saber beats him for the belt at Dominion. They face each other in the G1. He gets his win back, maybe, beating Saber. Maybe even on one of the big nights. Yeah, let's yeah. say the Dallas night. First night on, in the B block, he beats Saber. He gets the win back. He wins the G1. He doesn't need a rematch because he already beat Saber, and he's going to go challenge for the IWGP title. I mean, if that's the kind of booking that we're giving Naito, then we're saying it's. We're talking about wrestler of the year territory. Yeah. We're talking about like him being like strong all year. And I know, generally speaking, that's not necessarily like Gato's booking. I feel like there'd be more downs before the ups come. Right. That would be a really, really, really strong way to book him. But I know there's a lot of people that would love to see that. So. Right. And I mean, or, you know, there's a chance of Tai Chi's cheats, gets the belt off of him, and then he has. I don't know. I don't know who he goes after after Tai Chi. Well, I also think one thing that's interesting is that they've kept him away from Jay White all year. Mm. 
and last year as well. It seems like that's a, a match that they're holding in their back pocket for some reason. Yeah. I don't know if you thought about that or not. I didn't. I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah, those guys really haven't been... Kind of like how they kept, uh, you know, Kenny and Tanahashi away from each other for a while. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that would either be a dome match or even a G1 final Yeah, this year. Um, so that's another... I mean, that could be a, or, a Dominion match. It could headline Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Hypothetically, you have... Um, we'd be talking about hot potatoing the belt a bit, but if he wins the title from Tanahashi and then Naito wins the New Japan Cup, then you're talking about them headlining Madison Square Garden against one another. The only thing is, I think Naito fans really expect him to win the belt in his next challenge. Yeah. So that that would be a short title reign for both Tanahashi and Jay White. But they've done that before. You know what I mean? They did that with, with Tanahashi and AJ Styles uh, a few years back before Okada's title reign. So it's not like they've never done that before. Yeah, so yeah, definitely a possibility. Um. Another question concerning Naito and LIJ comes from Twitter user Devin Ashman at D7Dog. Do you think New Japan Pro Wrestling has an idea where to go with Naito? I feel like we're getting a Los Ingobernables de Japón battling Suzuki-Goon year. I don't think that we're getting an LIJ-Suzuki-Goon uh, feud. That's that's pretty much the matches we're, we're all getting for the beginning of, for the new beginning tour, right? Right. So if you guys remember, last year we started out the year with a big feud between Lij and Chaos, and then yes, there was a lot of sing like feud, like smaller feuds throughout the year between those guys, only because you have top guys all across both factions, and they're going to be vying for titles. But it wasn't like a major theme of the year, Chaos and LIJ, the way it had been in years past. But we started off the New Beginning Tour with nothing but straight, you know, LIJ versus Chaos matches. And I think this time last year, most people would have said the same thing. It feels like we're about to have a whole year of LIJ and and Chaos, and then we didn't. It pretty much was just a follow-up from New Year's Dash and then a blow-off. Yeah. The rest of the year, they were both, both of them were involved in their own things, Chaos doing their Civil War and imploding and all that, and then Suzuki Goon and LIJ. So I think that this LIJ Suzuki Goon is a feud that we're getting right now, this iteration. It's just for New Beginning. And I think both teams are going to move on after this. That's my opinion. Yeah, and I definitely think, um, as far as his first question, I do think they have a plan for Naito this year. Um, and it, it's kind of, I think it's going to be some of what we just talked about in the previous question. I think a lot of what they did with Naito last year was planned out so that, yeah, I don't think that they've, ju- they've just been booking him aimlessly. I think that they're too smart for that. If we're to believe the reports about Gato, apparently he books two years in advance. Yeah, apparently he has a little notebook <laughs> that he has like two years booked out. And I and obviously you got to imagine a guy like Naito being one of the pillars of the company. Mm. They've got a plan for him. So, yeah, I think that they have an idea where they're going with Naito. And I think that championship gold is on the horizon. That's the one thing I would say I look forward to. That's something I look forward to a Naito title run because I think mm. we whether it's this year or next year we're getting a Naito title run and I think it's going to be a prolonged one too yeah 
All right, uh, next question, Reddit user. Why did you do that, bro? Early New Japan Cup pick. Uh, hmm. I'm going Okada. Yeah, especially, you know, we got this this rumored Okada-Tanahashi match for the Dome. Um, or if they did... They could do Jay White, White Okada. That would also make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think with it being a... Um, you know, the implications with them not having a Sakura Genesis is that whoever wins the New Japan Cup is going to challenge at MSG. I gotta say Okada. That's my early pick. I don't know that it's gonna change between now and the time we make our official prediction, so. Yeah, it definitely could. I mean, also, we have no idea who's officially in the tournament yet, but Okada um, seems like the smart thing to say right about now. Jimmy Spammer has asked us, at jspammer1, do you have recommendations for what might be the top shows during WrestleMania weekend? Oh, my God. (laughs) Having a hard time deciding between RevPro and WWN Super Show. Not going to NXT, but we'll be going to G1 Supercard, so might be seeing a different set of people at WWN. So, Jimmy, Uh, we are having the same question as you. We have literally... For weeks now, been trying to figure out what our game plan is going to be for New York. We we've, we've got our finally got our lodging locked in for the trip, so we have a place to stay. Um, we are going to G1 Supercard. We're also going to NXT. We're going to take over uh, New York. Um, so we got those two big shows out of the way. But as far as the the smaller shows throughout the weekend, there are a lot of options. So. Just to kind of give you a very concise and brief rundown. So you've got the G... There's essentially four main groups that are running shows WrestleMania weekend, when in the past there's usually only been two main groups. So you've got the Joey Janela GCW group. They're uh, based out of um, White Eagle Hall in in, uh, Jersey City, basically, right? Yeah. They're running the most amount of shows WrestleMania weekend, so but it's all in New Jersey. Um, then you also have uh, WWN, which is running their set of shows. I believe the WWN shows are all. Um, they are. They're in Laboom. Yeah, they're they're at the Laboom. Then you've got WrestleCon, and WrestleCon is doing most of their shows in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a fourth group which is out in. Um, they're in Queens, and they're—I don't know who's really associated with them, but it's just a bunch—it's just a bunch of non-affiliated right, entities. Like Black Label Pro, right? No, no, no. no. This is um like, uh, Stardom is running those show like that sh- the show out in Queens. There's a well, that's some of that's WrestleCon, right? No, none of it is. Uh, I thought Star- Stardom. No. no. Fight Club Pro. No, Stardom? Stardom's not running with any of those groups. Okay, I thought Stardom was running with... For, for sure they're not. Gotcha, okay. It's, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, independent groups like IPW UK, Fight Club Pro, Stardom, um, a few others. They're running out in Queens, and they're, they're not tied to any particular group. And they're a fourth group. And then that's not even including the MLW shows, the WWE shows, the NXT shows, Ring of Honor, and all that. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, and you know with WWE, they're going to do announce some Access shows like they did last year. Yeah, they're probably going to be running NXT stuff, so, um, you know, and 205, and probably having the UK guy. NXT UK guy, yeah, yeah. 
And then plus they have all the guys from like Evolve and WWN tied to them as well. So it's it's really up in there. I know for me, one show that I really, really excuse me, really, really, really want to go to and it's a show I really enjoyed last year and I'm trying to make every effort to be there is Bloodsport. Um, it's very different <laughs> from everything else that's going to be uh, on WrestleMania weekend, but it, it essentially is proto-MMA shoot-style pro wrestling. So it's a uh, last year it was Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. This year it is Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Uh, a lot of like the top like grapplers and uh, shooters and even some MMA fighters are going to be on this card. Uh, it's completely basically there's no ropes. Every match is knockout or submission, and it's basically if you've never seen shoot style, it's it's a it's a takeoff of shoot style, but it's a modernized version of it. To me, it was my one of my five favorite shows of WrestleMania weekend last year, a super highlight, and the lineup looks much better this year. So that's a show that I recommend. Uh, for me, I would highly recommend the Rev Pro show. You know, we went to Rev Pro last year. Yes. It was a great show. We saw the big um, title change with Ishii beating Zack Sabre Jr. I have a feeling that Rev Pro is going to be another great show this year. Um, you know, you have um, the bastard Pac in the title mix right now. Um, I and you got you got Dragon Gate guys that are going to be a, a part of WrestleMania weekend. So I definitely think um, Pac is going to be a part of that Rev Pro show. Sabre will be a part of that show. Ishii will be part of that show. So I have a feeling that once again Rev Pro will be another great show to go to. Yeah, and I mean, Stardom's going to be out there. DDT is going to be out there. WXW is going to be out there. If you can finagle your way into one of those spring break shows, I don't know how you're going to. Yeah, we went to spring break last year. You know, Effie's in the clusterfuck. He is? Yeah, he made the announcement. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm his rib boy, you know. (laughs) He keeps you uh, up on the up and up. Yeah, he keeps me updated. Oh, my gosh. Um, There's there's so... And then WWN has their super show. uh, WrestleCon has their super show. Yeah, dude, the WrestleCon super show is usually one of the better shows of the weekend. Um... I think, you know, if you're going to be there on Thursday, I would definitely recommend going to the WrestleCon Super Show. You know, no matches are announced right now, but, I mean, they got the Lucha Bros, and they got a lot of top indie guys that are left that are going to be on that show. And they're usually some kind of, like, surprise kind of stuff they do for that show. WrestleCon's going to be having a lot of the Dragon Gate guys on their shows as well, so that's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, w, or the Evolve show may be great we we don't have anything announced yet but I mean they've been implementing some of the top NXT talent that's out there right so I'm I'm assuming that some NXT guys will be on there you know there's only five spots on TakeOver New York and you you got a a ton of talent in NXT so you gotta give them some paydays somehow so I could see obviously Ono has been working Evolve pretty much every Evolve show I could see Ono having a big match and then anybody else that's not gonna be used on TakeOver could be the one thing I will say though is like that GCW group out in Jersey, even though they have less conventional shows, they're the one group that literally the whole weekend, every single time slot, they have consistent shows with 
tons of unique and diverse talent. And so I know we had talked about like maybe just going to one spot and just sticking with one group. We won't be doing that, mostly because most of these groups are running less shows than they normally have. But GCW, if you want to fill your whole time up with wrestling, you might want to just go to Jersey and stick with the GCW guys. And they have Black Label Pro and all these other companies. And GC, you know, that's one option that makes a lot of sense. And they're also running cheaper shows. That's another thing, too, is like a lot of these New York shows. Yeah, the New York, the prices are up from uh, New Orleans. They're so much higher. So, they're like know, double. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we, we can get into, you know, general admission show last year for what, 20, 25 bucks? 20, 25, now it's like double. It's now like 40. it's like 40, 50 bucks to get into these shows. So, you know, that, stay. Also, the MLW show might be worth checking out. They've got the uh, the, the second night, that big battle The, uh, the battle riot. Um, they have... Um, and then the night before, they're doing uh, um, L.A. Park against Pentagon. Uh, Pentagon Jr., the rematch from which which won their match of the year for 2018, the first matchup. Um, both of those are going to be Fusion TV tapings. Here's another thing, though, to keep in mind. WrestleCon will probably be having uh, New Japan talent on their shows. So that's another reason why you might want to go to, rest, to like the WrestleCon Super Shows, things like that, because if you are a New Japan fan... They're probably going to be having, like, Suzuki and Tanahashi and guys like that. And if you don't get a chance to go to the Ring of Honor shows and all that, you still get a chance to see these guys in action. Rev Pro is definitely going to be having New, New Japan guys on their shows. Last sure. year, they had a ton. So Right. I mean, last year, we saw, what, Ishii wrestle what, three times last that weekend? Yeah. We saw Tanahashi wrestle, what, twice? Three times. Three times also? Yeah. We saw Osprey wrestle. A bunch. Two times, two or three. No, we saw Osprey a lot. I saw Osprey in almost every show I was Uh, at. Yeah, that man was traveling, literally opening one card and main eventing another card. I would say Uh, if if, if you're trying to figure out what you want to do, look at the actual physical locations where these shows are and the times to try to space it out. Look at the prices. And you'll have to make some tough decisions because it's not going to be easy like it's been past WrestleManias where you could... I went to 13 shows last year. That's not happening this year. Like, we, like me and Jeremy are sitting here thinking, like, yo, we're going to have to make some really tough decisions about what shows we can and cannot make or even afford. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you know, also be on, be on the lookout for uh, Joe Lanza's uh, path of greatness. I'm so interested to see what his path of greatness is because I'm like, he's gonna be like, f New York, f, <laughs> f these companies because they really have thinned out the talent roster with doing so many shows with less guys available. Like, in some ways, like, this WrestleMania weekend's more exciting, but in some ways it's not. I've looked at some of the lineups that have been announced, and I'm like, dude, there's no one available. Everyone's locked up by all these big companies. Right. And, you know, the uh, the WXW show might be interesting to look at because, you know... The deal with Walter sign. It looks like he's still gonna be working at WXW. He's in the the 16 karat gold tournament. So Walter's a guy that could show up at that, that WXW show. We'll see. Yeah. But that's gonna do it for the questions, and we're gonna go through the news super super quick here. Yeah. So the first bit of news: TSN reveals the premiere date for Kenny Omega's documentary. Uh, Kenny Omega, when accepting the 28 Match of the Year awards for Tokyo Sports at their ceremony on January 17th, uh, which he won for the Okada match at Dominion last year, said he would be on the stage next year, that he would not be on the stage next year, but that he would still be doing uh, matches 
um, that he'd still be on an international stage, and he's not sure uh, that he'd throw away the possibility of Tanahashi rematching, uh, you know, in 2019. So that uh, they all, also with the Kenny Omega documentary, they were. Um, Melter was reporting on that, and he was basically saying that it was originally intended to be for uh, HBO Canada, and now it looks like it's going to be for TSN, and it's being, uh, it's being, you know, when is the date for that? Yeah, so it's an hour-long uh, documentary, and it'll debut on Wednesday, March 27th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Yeah. Uh, the, the first early reports are that it's a really, really good documentary, so... Yeah. Um, you know, be on the lookout for that. Hopefully it makes its way to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, Roosh has signed an exclusive contract with Ring of Honor, which um, there had been reports that he was signing with MLW, and this story is kind of (laughs) crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, MLW had been using Roosh and his brother, Dragon Lee, and um, L.A. Park. They've been using a lot of CMLL talents on their shows, Um, and, you know, Court Power, MLW, he was trying to lock down Roosh to an exclusive contract. Um, but RH offered the better deal. Um, you know, there's already that built-in Ring of Honor, CMLL, New Japan partnership. So that had some, you know, play in it. And plus just the deal that Ring of Honor was able to offer uh, Roosh. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, Roosh was, they, they were going to give his brother a job, his other brother a job, his dad a job. Right. Make, and, make uh, him a citizen, his wife, his kids, let him do commentary for for uh, their soccer channel. So, I mean, like, they were basically throwing everything they could at him, but they just didn't have the money offered to give him the way that Ring of Honor is. Right, and Roosh was supposed to face L.A. Park at um, the, one of the MLW shows yes. the main event in the Melrose Ballroom on April 4th. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but, you know, that big match, something always seems to get in the way during the big L.A. Park-Roosh matches, so it's not happening. Like we mentioned earlier, it's going to be L.A. Park and... Um, Pentagon Jr. Um, but we're probably going to be seeing Roosh in Madison Square Garden. Right. Um, and along with Roosh, there is rumors that Ring of Honor will also be trying to lock down uh, Dragon Lee to a Ring of Honor contract. Yeah, and I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is funny, like, everyone talking about, like, oh, Ring of Honor and New Japan doing a show together, that's going to suck. And then suddenly, suddenly it's like, oh, they- oh Roosh, Bandito, Jeff Cobb, Brody Mark Lee. Haskins, Brody Lee, PCO. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm like the MSG card is gonna be dope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have a gate for the Tokyo Dome yet, but it was confirmed as the largest gate for a pro wrestling show in Japan since uh, Antonio Inoki's retirement show in 1998, which did the equivalent in modern terms of seven million dollars for the Inoki Don Fry main event, which, by the way, is a travesty. Um, <laughs> That's a story for another time, but if you do your research on the Inoki Don Fry match <laughs> and that whole tournament and the UFO UFO and New Japan stuff, it's crazy. Um, it would be the second or third biggest of all time in Japan, with the other Monster Gate coming uh, from that era being the first Kiji Mudo versus Nobuhiko Takata match in 1995 during the UWFI New Japan um, cross promotional matches that they did. That one did 6.1 million. So, you know, this, we don't know exactly how much, but this gate for the last uh, Wrestle Kingdom was astronomical, huge. Yeah, big time. Remember when we were uh, previewing uh, after the G1 and we were talking about how 
Kenny and Tanahashi was going to do big, big business, and everybody was questioning it, and everybody was acting like, I don't know how if it's going to do well, and like we were like, dude, Tanahashi, like obviously no no one knows how big of a star Tanahashi really is there, but based on what we've observed, what we've heard, what we've read, I couldn't see any reason that that match wasn't going to do big business, and it really, I mean... Yeah, it did, yeah, it was phenomenal. Obviously the card... And the product, the product's hot. The card was incredible, but like, there's no denying Kenny and Tanahashi drew and did huge, huge business this year. Yeah, big stuff. Uh, one of the things uh, with Kushida that led to his leaving for WWE is that early last year he wanted to go heel and join the Bullet Club, but Gato wanted him to stay in his place. So he said, "That's not for you, baby." <laughs> the deal was with New Japan needed. Uh, the solid junior heavyweight guy with Will Ospreay and Chaos, Kanemaru and Desperado and Taka uh, Michinoku and Suzuki-gun, Ishimori and Bullet Club and Bushi and Hiromu and LIJ, the home team side with uh, Ryosuke Taguchi, but he's more comedy now and only turning in turning it on as a serious guy for a few matches a year like the best super juniors, Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger being legends. There's no longer uh, just a solid Seki-gun junior in the title picture. And so that was one of the main reasons that Kushida was upset because he didn't want to stay in his role. He didn't want to stay stale. He wanted to reinvent himself. And they said, "That's not for you, baby." Yeah, yeah. I can't blame him. You know, he's you know pretty much been a white meat baby face for what like eight years now. Um, I definitely understand. We wanted to try something new, change some stuff up. But at the end of the day, man, I have a I don't know how Kushida would fit into the Bullet Club. Like like a glove. <laughs> He could have been the new Bone Soldier, bro. Yeah. Uh, Katsuya Kitamura's contract was renewed for 2019. Kitamura watched 2019. Good bro, yeah, man. You know, there's been all kind of crazy stuff being sw- uh, you know, swirled about Kitamura. You know, Meltzer's reporting that he, his leg was crushed in a scooter accident. There are some people saying it was concussion. Some people say it was um, steroids or some kind of drug abuse. Some people are saying it was a behavior issue. We have no idea what the actual story is, but... Well, he's been out, and New Japan does pay their guys their salaries when they're out, so has this guy been getting paid this entire time to be sidelined? It sounds like it, and um, 2019's got a new contract, which makes me think that we're going to finally see Kitamura back in New Japan action this year. You know what they should do? Bring Kitamura back, sign Sekimoto. Oh, my God. And make him, <laughs> make him a tag team. Let him run roughshod over everybody. And you know what else they should do? Put face paint on him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, what if they had... Well, no, I was going to say, what if they had Kitamura win the New Japan Cup? But they're not going to have him go to MSG. Yeah, but I feel like Kitamura could come in and just, like, destroy somebody and, like, maybe get a huge monster push. Like, I could actually see that sort of thing happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very exciting. We'll we'll keep you posted. I mean, this Kitamura story is bizarre, bro. Like no one know it's so hushed in secrecy. It's like I don't know, man. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi is expected to return, but probably not soon. So we don't know exact dates. But you know, he's saying he's at like eight hundred thirty-seven percent. He he needs to get to a thousand. <laughs> he's almost there. Uh, Taka Michinoku is stepping down from his role in Kaintai Dojo, leaving the company. I guess that uh, $0 per year uh, salary was not going to help him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Toru Yano has the longest winning streak at the Dome with six 
years, all in tag team matches. So, uh, you know, maybe he can get the the Undertaker treatment, keep that thing going. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then Ring of Honor has revealed their first round matchups for their Tag Wars tournament. What is what is what's their Tag Wars tournament? I don't even know about this. So yeah, so their their Tag Wars tournament is taking um, place during the Road to G1 Supercard shows in Texas. So it's a uh, kind of a tag team tournament they're doing. It's going to start um, in Dallas on January 21st, 24th, excuse me. The, the last three round matches taking place in Houston on January 25th. The tournament's going to conclude in San Antonio on January 26th. Uh, there will be two three-way tag matches between the winners from the first two shows, with the winning teams advancing to the finals later on that night. Uh, the team that wins Tag Wars is going to receive a ROH tag title match at the 17th anniversary show in Las Vegas on March 15th. Um, they'll also get a spot in the Crockett Cup Tournament, uh, which is being held in North Carolina on April 27th for the NWA. So the first round matches for Dallas, we have Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham taking on Mark Haskins and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. We have Villain Enterprises, PCO and Brody King taking on the kingdom of Vinny Marcellia and TKO Ryan. Juice Robinson and David Finley taking on the um, L.A. Young Lion team of Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin. And then in Houston, Houston, the first round matches are going to be Colt Cabana and Willie Mack replacing the injured Flip Gordon, taking on Kenny King and a mystery partner. We have Coast to Coast, LSG and Shaheem Ali taking on um, Eli Isom and Cheeseburger. Then we got the Bouncers, Bear City Bruiser, and Brian Malonis taking on the boys. Is that it? Yeah. There's no one else? That's that's it. That's the Tag Wars. Oh, bro, that sounds awful. <laughs> um, we're sitting here talking about how great like things are turning around in Ring of Honor, and then I'm listening, and I'm like, who's the tag... If I was going to give one tag team a monster push and make them into something, there is not... There's no tag team there that I would like really get behind. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Villain Enterprises? No, I wouldn't... No, not... No, I, me personally, I would get behind like a tag team that's like a tag team tag team, you know, like the Fantastics, <laughs> you know, guys that dress the same and look the same, you know what I mean? Well, like, like you want a coast to coast to win it? No, then? they they suck. <laughs> Who? Uh, no, no, there's no like I'm just like my God, the tag team division in Ring of Honor. I like who who out of these. They might as well just push Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal and just, like, make him a super team or something. I don't know. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds bad to well, me. They got a lot of new stables. You got, you know, Haskins and Tracy Williams representing Bloodline. I'm not trying to be that guy, but this does not sound enticing to me at all. Like, I will, I probably will not be tuning in for the Tag Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um... On to other news. The, the February 19th Sumo Hall Show, which is built around the 20th anniversary of the death of Giant Baba, as well as honoring the retirement of Abdullah the Butcher, uh, is going to be a multi-promotional show. Uh, Taichi and Yoshina, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Takamichinoku will be taking on Masafuki and um, Yoshiaki Fujiwara and Yoma Aoyagi. Uh, there will be a three-way tag match with Seiya Sonata and Bushi taking on Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto, uh, also taking on Ayota Yoshida and Shota Umino. Um, there will also be a match 
uh, Satoshi Kojima and Yuji Nagata and Osamu Nishimori or Nishimura will be taking on Jun Akiyama, Takao Amori, and Taiokea, um, who was Baba's last ever protege. Um, Mil Mascaris and Dos Caras will be taking on Kaz Hayashi and Osawa. And um, those are all the matches that are announced. There's still other matches that will be announced involving uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tomioki Hanma, Kento Miyahara, the great Kojika, Daisuke Sakamoto, Naomichi Marafuji, Kazushi Miyamoto, uh, Tomohiko Hashimoto, Atsushi Onida, oh my god, and Kendo Kashin, oh my god. So this sounds like a really, really, really fun and kind of crazy show because there are legends and young guys all over yeah, the dude, place. Yeah, dude, this is a stacked card. Onida's going to be on... Kendo Cashin's on this card? Like, what? what is going on? Um, Riki Choshu, 67, had one of his final matches on February... Or, I'm sorry, December 28th at Cork and Hall before a sellout crowd of 1,580 fans for his own show. Choshu teamed with his biggest rival, Tatsumi Fujinami and Noah's Masa Kitamiya, uh, which was symbolic since Kitamiya is a copy of Masa Saito, and Saito was Choshu's mentor. They beat GHC champion... Uh, Katayo Kiyomiya and Jun Kasai and Nosawa when Choshu pinned Nosawa with Ilaria at 8 minutes and 1 second so Choshu putting himself over (laughs) at 8 minutes and then uh, this past weekend the Elite made an appearance at Bar Wrestling and also at Defy yeah, so, you know, these guys, they, they were tweeting out, like, hints of where they were going. Um, yeah, um, Cody, Hangman, um, and the Bucks, and Brandy all showed up at Bar Wrestling to um, help SCU during a, a match. And they we had Hangman and Joey Ryan working together and um, pretty much getting all their, their big moves in and popping the crowd. And then at um, the five, I think it was just the Young Bucks who came out and was like destroying a bunch of tag teams being the elite this week was really funny yeah oh my gosh yeah being the elite was hilarious um hangman he showed up in all yes. his all his gear trying to be like Pac, and they're like you know you, you liked when Pac did it <laughs> He's like, yeah have you seen that guy like if i had his body i'd, I'd walk around my gear it's like Man. but they were like going to a restaurant yeah like, like they're going to a restaurant and they're like he, this dude's wearing like he's got the rope tied around his neck <laughs> the vest the vest and they're like hangman hey, what are you doing dude like hey, put, put your pants on like, put, have some respect put some <laughs> pants on yeah. hilarious um, uh you had cody uh signing uh peter avalon oh that was hilarious. for a million dollars and you know kind of poking fun at all the stuff that people are saying about them on the internet like they're wasting money they don't know what they're doing and you know cody signs peter avalon to a million bucks and the young bucks are like, what was that about? But Peter, oh, yeah, signed him for a you know, million dollar contract. And then they had to, and then they had to fire him. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, we we spent fifty thousand dollars on pyro. Like we can't we can't afford a million dollar contract for Peter Avalon. And then uh, so yeah, they brought him back and released him, and that was hilarious. Um, also, oh man, I forgot. Oh, the MJF stuff was really funny. Yeah, so they're doing this gimmick now where like MJF like acts very nice in front of people when he's with Cody, and then as soon as Cody leaves, he goes into the MJF character and he's a total douchebag. Um, that was that was so funny. he was like being like cursing out Kazarian. It looks like they're doing a new thing with uh with Joey Janela where like be, they're gonna be like 
it's their first week, but it's probably going to be something along well, the lines. Well, second. Like, so last week, the week before, he did a football thing. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the second week. So every week, it's like, what's he going to do with his time off? And like, he sucks at everything that he does. So yeah. Kind of he tried being a magician this week and got you know got fire in his face. So that's kind of funny. Now, um, do we want to talk about the big news? Uh, about the or, or how are we making that announcement? Is that something that like we're gonna let them make? Is something we want to kind of allude to, or is that something that's coming out on social media? Like, um, I, I haven't really thought about it. Um, and I know they have they have we've been keeping things kind of under wraps, keeping things close to the vest. Um, but I'm, here's what here's all we'll say: our days covering being the elite might be numbered. Yeah. I'm going to say this. This week, something on this network could be changing the universe. <laughs> so that's, that's, what, that's what I'm going to say. What a sell. Now. Oh, my God. Stay tuned. Something, Something's coming. We've got a project in the works. Something big is coming. and We've made it a big signing yeah, there, to, to, the network. Big to the network. You know, we've, made a, we've, been, we've, been, we've been signing a lot of talent lately, cutting a lot of deals, You know, handing out a lot of contracts here at Social Suplex. Not, not all deals are made equal, though. They're, they're not. We, we, do, we do have some certain deals where guys can work other promotions, <laughs> uh, other networks. <laughs> Uh, some guys are on exclusive contracts like we are, so you know a, a lot of interesting deals going around. Um, I'm not exclusive. Nobody wants me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different thing altogether. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So stay subscribed to the network, and you will find out later this week what's coming. We did not discuss how to close out our show. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's yeah. We yeah. We haven't had very lengthy uh, pre-production meetings lately. What's been going on? Uh, well, this week the, the schedule's been kind of thrown off. This week, uh, but um, yeah. Jeremy, take us home. Yeah. So, <laughs> so next week uh, we'll be back. Uh, we should be back on Tuesday next week, uh, uh, reviewing or previewing the road to new beginning, and of course answering your questions, covering all the latest news. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, we're at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. Uh, follow us on Social Suplex at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. We're also in the uh, Facebook group, The Wrestling Squared Circle, Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy, and Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com if you want to be involved uh, with Social Suplex. Make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Ida and James Boyd. The Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. The Outsider's Edge, featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. Our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. The Wilfred Watches Podcast, the Omega Loop Podcast. And like I mentioned earlier, stay tuned. Something that's going to change the universe will be coming a part of this lineup as well. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review. And until next time, hasta mañana. <laughs> Adios. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.